Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for being with us here. It is episode number 143 here on Monday, August the 26th, 2019. We are here yet again to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. I'm Joe Morata alongside Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, diddy. Well, Daddy Longlegs, how's it been for you? How are we doing? Uh, it's good. I've been walking long ways with my daddy long legs. <laughs> now, we're closing out the summer here, believe it or not. It's almost September, believe it or not, which is just crazy to me as we wind up August. Quit my birthday's coming up soon. Oh, you know, wow. Yeah, it's coming up on uh, Thursday. With all the time traveling we I do. I know. It's, it's, it's really nuts here. really hard to keep track here. <laughs> but thank you guys for traveling yet again to OVP as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some great topics in store for you, hopefully, because we're picking one randomly to start the uh, show off. But uh, before we get to any of that, if you have a Twitter, a tweeter, and yeah. you don't follow, <laughs> don't follow us yet on the tweeter, follow us on the tweeter. It's at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you like emails uh, at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a really great community on the internet where we talk about the retro wrestling. Yes. Like hundreds of people. And uh, where might that be found? Uh, Facebook.com slash long legs. Yes, sir. All your long leg, leg needs are taken care Accommodations of. Accommodations. If you need long pants, we got them. Big and tall. Maybe in Sorry. JPEG format. <laughs> Jinko um, format. So it's a good website. It's a uh, Facebook group. It's a Facebook group. Anyway, you go over there. They have a search bar. So you type in there, our vantage point, Death, retro wrestling podcast, uh, bing, bang, boom, Kaflui. Kaflui, yes. I remember this week. Kaflui, gore, and <laughs> gore. all that stuff. Um, Goro. And you're in. That's you it. Get, you get approved by the operators. Yeah, they're there. And basically what happens, the whole point of the group is we know that the, uh, the internet wrestling community, as it's known, has a lot of harshness to it at times, and a lot of people looking down on you for other opinions you might have about wrestling. And what we try to do is this. We try to be a melting pot, mm-hmm. uh, a fondue, if you will, of retro wrestling talk. The Ellis Island, the, yeah, the Ellis table. Island. We have exactly. many different names. And basically the whole point here is whether you've been watching for a really long time or you just started, whether you know a little or you know a lot, whether you like one promotion or a lot of different promotions, current retro just come over to the group and talk about wrestling here. It's a fun time. We have very basic rules, and it all amounts to just don't be a dick. That's it. That's it. Rule it, number 73, don't yeah, be a dick. Don't be a dick, and if you're not a dick, uh, come over to the group. Really, we think you'll have a fun time there. And a little bit later on in the show, we are going to have some information on our Patreon. We do have one. Uh, it's not a get-rich-quick type of deal. It's not a step-toe, step-toe and son or Sanford and son. Whichever. Or- country yeah. you're from Polly nipple and son yeah uh, what it is is it's just a place where uh, we have extra content for you if you want to support the show quinn all mm-hmm. season long kind of is a countdown to episode number 150 which will be coming out in the fall and right our three-year anniversary and wow three whole years three whole years which really equates to what like 150 something years or 100, 150 years of ovp in, in ovp years yeah. uh we've been counting down uh, all season long by we took your uh suggestions questions whatever it might be ideas for segments and we put them into a question wheel right 
Now this, there, there's game show hosts and stuff, yes, right? Now, this is a game show, essentially, mm-hmm. where we spin the wheel every single week, and whatever it randomly lands on, and this is real, Quinn and I are going to talk about for the entire first segment, the rule, and you can still submit, we're still taking submissions, one per person, and all you have to do is email it to ovppodcast at gmail.com. It could be anything from the past, like a past segment, a Rushmore and mm-hmm. on the case mm-hmm. butterfly effect, which we've had already, yep. or it could just be, hey, what do you think of this? What? Talk about this, anything you want. Yep. So, with that said, Quinn, it is time for Wheel You Stop. Welcome yet again to Wheel You Stop, you know, with our fabulous cash prizes and all these things. Vanna. If, if, if Vanna if might they be can here, find we're her. not sure. If you yeah. can find I'm her. Not sure about that no. one there. Uh, but, folks, we. Oh, oh, oh the crowd's laughing. They, they, they no? think this is so funny. It is they? funny. This is serious, damn it. This is a real game show. We're yep. really in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they're all here. They're all here. They're all in the attic. And I guess the music's off now. No, it's a loft. Uh, what sorry. we're going to do is uh, we're going to spin the wheel. We're going to see who the lucky winner is for this week, and we're going to talk about that topic. Let's go ahead. You want to spin the wheel today, Quinn? Go ahead. I'll spin it. Okay. Uh, spin. All right. Whoa. Okay. It's spinning. Now, if I win, uh, do I get that dock picture? No. Oh. Uh, Rory McNamara, Quinn, wow. from the uh, Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, he is. Rory McNamara wants us to talk about Michael. Oh, this is good. Oh, what is it? Tony Schiavone recently said, the magic has gone out of pro wrestling. Is he right? Ooh, a crippling knee to the midsection. But this time in stop action, we can see the knee doesn't even touch him. He's just performing a nice, easy somersault over the knees and then getting up like nothing happened. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Very interesting, Rory. Great question. I guess that's what we'll be talking about now. So what is the magic, if you well, will? There's a lot of things to that. I think if you are if you got into wrestling as a child, which I haven't taken a survey, but I think a lot of people got into wrestling at a younger age, probably right. before being a teenager. Not everyone. I know that. Not everyone. Especially probably during the two big boom periods of the 80s and the mid-90s. Into the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. The ages where you're very impressionable, you know. Mm-hmm five to ten years old perhaps Mm -hmm. is a time where i feel like most people would get into wrestling and again i know not everybody a lot of the quote-unquote casual fans get in because it's trendy right like during the attitude era college age people yeah and i i know that um also during the i guess the third sort of boom that i don't really call one but you know the whole punk reality era yeah i think that brought in people at an older age which was weird brought like, back or, a lot of people too brought back but also there's probably people that were like what is this controversy like right. and, and they were you know it was the age of the internet and people reading intellectual articles about <laughs> wrestling is, yeah. is it is it real now no or it's whatever. not but you know what i'm saying it, it hasn't like, been real in like over a hundred years you don't get wrestling but either way, in all these periods, there's some kind of magic, I would suppose. There is. Here's the thing that I want to... I get. I don't know how to really articulate this, so this is a great question. The magic when you're a kid is the whole idea that you don't know really if this is real or not. Mm-hmm. When you're a kid, I'm saying. And again, maybe this is just in the 80s and 90s, but maybe a kid today. Or, I haven't talked to one. Or you may know, even if you are a kid, but... There's still this unpredictability. You don't yeah. you don't know what's going to happen next because you haven't seen years of wrestling right. to be able to predict that. Yeah. That's another aspect of yeah. it is you you haven't seen all the tricks, you know, yeah. all the magic tricks. Uh, and it's also I remember being a kid. And I'm sure you can relate, Quinn, and a lot of you guys probably at home that grew up either in the 70s, 80s, 90s as wrestling fans. 
hanging on everything that your favorite wrestler or wrestlers did. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I was hanging on everything that the Federation itself was doing. Harvey Whitman is coming out with playing. And every match was so important. You know, with Bret Hart, for me, you know, I'm sure, Sean, for you, losing was terrible. Right. I mean, I I thought Diesel, the the guy that was the champ when I first got in, was like, I was like, how could he ever lose? Right. Like, you know, and then when it happened, I was like, what? And in terms of the magic of wrestling, to look back on a lot of these crowds from a child's point of view, and to see these kids that really looked up to a guy like Hulk Hogan, even though we right. know as adults now and problems. Right, right, right. Yeah. Who do you think you are? That's Hulk Hogan! But to even see the kids that really looked up to a Shawn Michaels or a Bret Hart or the adults that related to Steve Austin as the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And all the people that hated the Freebirds, you know, and loved the Von Erichs and hated the Horsemen, but loved Flair's sense of humor. Or all the people that thought the New World Order was an actual invasion right. of a federation. The people that couldn't believe it. It was like their their own family betrayed them when Hulk Hogan turned heel. All of this is still something that happens today, I think, to a degree to people. It does. <laughs> because what you're looking for, the key word is not magic, but investment in the product. Correct. And I, I think that probably still happens today even though we we as people who have been around for a while might not like the current product correct we know all the tricks but i can't not believe that there's there isn't a kid out there that was stunned when the shield broke up or something sure like like just like or that didn't know that daniel bryan was going to win the title at wrestlemania 30 even though like the more seasoned fan figures well of course he's going to win because <laughs> why it's the why main would they, event of 30 why would they do all this right? <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly though like i remember one of the illusions popped for me at the time right was as i remember when steve austin was going to fight Shawn michaels Same. at wrestlemania 14 14 yep i remember somebody who was living with us like at my house or mm-hmm. whatever wrestling fan he had said to me he was like why wouldn't steve austin win and i was like but Shawn michaels he's like one of the best of all time and like he's got degeneration x and mike tyson's with right him. I, why would you think that why would you think it would be so opposite all the way in the other way like i figured like definitely steve austin could win i just didn't think like it was such a foregone conclusion right of course point. of course I think another thing about this whole, the magic and the investment and all that is simply that knowing the way the business works as much as we can as, as fans that have never worked in it, you know, every fan that thinks they're an insider, that never fucking worked in the business. You don't really, really know. You just know what people say about it. Right. Unless you've done it. Right. And that's, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it and can't criticize it and critique it or whatever, but we don't really know how it works. We just take what we've learned and seen and observed. I think part of the problem is that you kind of dissect, not you and me, but the people that kind of dissect everything to the point where there's no enjoyment anymore. I don't think there, I don't think wrestling was ever meant to be as dissected as it's become. Right. And that, that's just a side effect of people like super fans. Like the good thing is that there's an, enough people that care that much, right? Like that's saying something. There about, is a positive to about, it. Yes. About the whole hobby of watching wrestling as a whole, right? Correct. That, that there's that much people that care you know, I want to know everything that's going on. Right. Yada, yada, yada. But the downside to that is that this is also like a very simple thing. It was never meant to be really dumb minded and, 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 and really try to think of every twist and turn that could possibly happen. Right. And everyone and, wants to be ahead of the booking now. Yeah. Which I, I hate. But like, here's the thing really is do. like, maybe that's interesting to you and that's fine. Sure. But also, why are you getting mad? if they're not doing what you want them to do because like I don't know what else they're supposed to because they they have to like try to 
I don't know, just try to make something different and entertaining. Right. Goldberg said he's coming back to help younger talent. So what was the fucking case in this match? He's not exactly helping talent. He's just... I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Wow. What a great fucking point. You Yorkshire pudding eating pub dick. Go brush your bloody teeth. Cheerio, motherfucker. See, that's the other thing is I wonder if the reason partially like why we get so mad is because on their side, they're trying the most wackadoodle stupid things to because they don't want to do the thing that the fans are saying they should do. On well, the end, you know what I mean? Because just from a storytelling perspective, you don't want to do something so predictable. That's true. And then when they do it, the fans still find reasons to complain. Right. That's the other thing. I mean, that happens, right? Because, yeah, like when Daniel Bryan won, right? And everybody wanted that. Yeah. Like right afterwards, (laughs) they had him feud with Kane. Now, on the surface, that looks like shit, right? I'm not defending it. But the point is, is that a WWF champion is going to fight everyone. Like, yeah, like Kofi's been, which right. has been great, actually, And from a for logical him. perspective in their storytelling, yeah. Kane was Daniel Bryan's former, former partner, partner, and so he's like, a jerk now. Yeah. Exa- it wasn't, didn't go against, like, reality. Right. It made sense, right? Within in the mechanics of yeah, the story. Yeah, within the mechanics of the story. I think, though, that the investment, if you want to call that magic, that's still alive. I mean, how many people flipped out when Undertaker lost? Oh, yeah. Oh, and those people know wrestling is not real, right? And they, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So it just th- takes a good hook. And that brings us back to the magic, right? There's still things, because, you know, Roy was asking, like, is the magic gone? I don't think entirely, no. I I think that, first of all, I think said magic nowadays will take very a very long time to build up. Like, the the Undertaker thing, that's, like, the reason why that was so exciting. Because it was just years and years of this guy not, not, it's so funny, too, not being scripted to lose a match at one specific event. That's all it really boils down to, right? What's interesting about that is from a storyline perspective, just in the kayfabe, that looks impressive. Like that at the biggest stage of the year that this guy could never lose. Right, of course. That looks impressive. Absolutely. Even if he's, even if a title's on the line, whatever, it doesn't matter. The Undertaker always wins. So like, it was actually shocking that he lose. And people older than we, you know, were very shocked. But then you have the other side of it, which why did Vince buck him to lose? Because he just fucking did. That is some motherfucking bullshit. They made the Undertaker lose to Brock Lesnar. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, the one thing, here's where the magic might have just changed a bit. Okay. People that still get upset. I've said this before, but if you're getting upset because someone's not winning that you want <laughs> to win, whether or not you think you're, you know better, you really don't because you're still basically at your core. You want someone to win and they're not. Yeah. Welcome to wrestling. <laughs> like, like seriously, like, like whether it's, you're it, play- it's predicated off like you getting annoyed that somebody lost. Like that's like the point or being happy that someone won. Even right. if it's not the good guy, they don't care if you're watching. They don't care what you think if you care enough to bitch and moan that your favorite wrestler <laughs> lost a match or lost his title belt or whatever right. in any way even right. if he was screwed in the storyline or whatever you care I, they did they they did what they were supposed to do that's all it is yeah. at its core in a lot of ways they were actually they are smarter than they look they, Maybe, they are or the other the other way to look at it is is that they're just they've been doing the same shit forever it's just right. it interpreted differently yeah, over the last like 15 20 years, the interpretation of wrestling is 
change from focusing on the in-ring action and who wins to the booking of who wins, you know? Right. But it's still the same damn thing. It's, I wanted him to win this match and have this push. Just the fact that people are talking about push. t-shirt sales and, like, it, it, that's the indicator if he's gonna, you know, win yeah. the title. It's like, <laughs> right. what? Like, that's that doesn't even make sense in a story. Like, <laughs> I know. it's not like Roman Reigns goes to fight, I don't know, Samoa Joe, and then they bring out papers in the middle of the match and they compare t-shirt sales numbers and right. then that's the, how they decide who's going to win. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's true. How about this as an analogy? Magic, like magicians, right? right? With the advent of the internet, even the magician's code now is violated and people find out how magicians do tricks, right? Yeah. But, 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 right? Even though I might know how a bunch of tricks are done, right? I will still get sucked in by a very good magician. You're sucked into the act of the trick yes. rather than like knowing that it's fake. Right. So when something in wrestling is good, mm-hmm. people still get sucked in. When they're invested, they get sucked in and yeah. they care. I mean, look at... Look, I, go ahead. I think on that point, though, I think what Rory might be referring to, and maybe we're batting around yeah, it, go is ahead. like, that's great and all that the trick and all the mechanics of that, right? Sure. But some people might be saying, well, I don't think the stories are that good anymore. And maybe that's the magic that people are missing. They're like, maybe they're doing the same magic, but the quality of the magic is not as good. You have two schools of thought there. A lot of people say that wrestling, the in-ring is better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but what good is the in-ring if what surrounds it isn't compelling? Is my right. mind, right? Yeah. Because it's like it's like having really good actors in one movie, but the story sucks ass. Right. Why watch it if mm-hmm. you don't care about what's going to happen, right? And to that, all that I say is look. We thought, personally, did we not? Did we think the magic was gone heading into 2014? We did. Oh, good lord. Bef- way before that for me. Right. Even, I- I'm you know? saying before yeah. that, but I'm just yeah. saying... At that time. At that time. At 2013, right? let's and say. I, always, that, th- I use this this point because I always see it as like, wow, they actually pulled it off. They had the a good period. Came, the magic came back, yeah, right? they did. My point is is that with enough storytelling and, and effort the magic will never go away it will just ebb and flow it, it, it's just yeah. you know what i mean like yeah they had a really great run there in 2014 and then injuries added up and, yeah and, and they and just it, changed up a few things yeah and, and and that was that tell you what though i mean yeah when you have a good story like you said yeah the magic's still there again magic is somewhat of a broad term here i don't really know how we're defining wrestling it. magic i guess but yeah. like what is that you know what, Rory? What does that mean? What did Tony Schiavone mean? Well, I think we've defined it. Just the the, the investment the, and the investment and being compelling. Like you know what I mean? That hasn't gone. I mean, again, in in certain areas, maybe it has. Uh, a lot of WWE criticism is justified from not even necessarily from long term storytelling, because if you dissect any story in wrestling, it's there's nothing really to it, right? For, no, mo- for the most isn't. part. And I mean, there there's been dynamic stories like. I still think have the, I still think the NWO was such a good at the beginning. It was this weird like they masked it in you thinking that it was that it was like this real invasion. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's been there's been really great storylines. That's, that's all I'm saying is is that there there are great storylines yeah. like that. And those are probably what's more rare right. than just a good storyline. The other thing too is at this point in time, you know, in 2019 where we sit now, we're in a unique position that we weren't at 20, 30 years ago because now you have every generation of wrestling fans is all accessible on the internet together and can all voice their opinions. Right. Whereas 30 years ago, excuse me, 20 years ago, late 90s, right? Mm -hmm. The people that were watching in the 60s and 70s, they weren't even really on the internet yet. 
as, yeah. as many of them, you know. Or they seen as much wackiness that right. you know happened starting with the eighties to the nineties. Right. All that. I think the easiest way though to answer this question is the magic gun out of wrestling, truthfully. And I've never done this because I don't know any. But the kids, kids go to these shows still. Yes. Ask the kids what they think about wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a kid and you're listening to this, an ask eight them year if old, you have six a, year old. If you have a cousin, a nephew, right. or, you know, something that's younger, you got to ask them. They're the, the ones to answer because that's where it's, in, again, in my mind, I think a lot of people start out as wrestling fans when they're younger. I know, again, there were casual people, audiences that watched in the 80s during the Hogan boom. And in the Attitude Era, a lot of college age, you know, young adults started watching. But I believe at its core, kids always watch. Yeah. Even though apparently the median age is really old, whatever. I don't fucking yeah. care. I know that I see a lot of kids at these shows buying the merch, wearing the merch, all this stuff. So I know the kids are still watching. Yeah. And one last short point before yes. we go away here. Mm-hmm. I think that one thing that will be the truth of the matter with this magic or whatever. Yeah, magic. Is that we're getting near the end of an era of storytelling that's been presided over by Vince McMahon, and that will kind of tell us, you know, when that flips, that will tell us if it will if it was different or if the magic is still there, yada, yada, yada. That's a fair point. Yeah. The end of the Vince McMahon era is eminent. You know what I mean? Eventually. Eventually. I mean, I mean literally, time is marching. Like, yeah. There's, there, there's only so much time that Vince... Yeah, and you know he's contributed a lot to the industry, but I mean he he's, he's like seventy something years 74. old. Seventy four. So it's there's only it's only a matter of time. Eventually, now. yeah, yeah. So that's a good point. Maybe the storytelling style changes, or you we'll know, see. major changes happen. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. down the road. Uh, but great question, Rory. Really, and folks, again, if you haven't submitted one yet, you can do so. Just email ovppodcast at gmail.com to get your name into wheel. You stop, but a uh, great question again, Rory. And folks, when we come back, we are talking about two more finishers as we try to narrow down the top 10 and bottom 10 finishers of all time in wrestling. It's the Royal Rankings, and it is coming up right after this. I ask Schultz questions that I assume all wrestlers have been asked dozens of times. What? Is this a good business? Yeah, it's a good business. I wouldn't be in it if it wasn't. Why is it a good business? Because only the tough survive. That's the reason you ain't in it. And this punk holding the camera reading he ain't in it. Reading these rednecks out here ain't in it because it's a tough business. That's terrific. What? Is that all you got? I'll ask you the standard question. You know? Standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? What's that? Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open-hand slap, huh? You think it's fake? Huh? What do you mean? Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's episode number 143 on Monday, August the 26th. 2019. Hey, Quinn, did you know we have Patreon? We do? We do! Whoa! Wow! What's on that? Well, if you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast, you will find some really neat 
things. The neatest. Uh, the neatest of things. You will find for $2 a month raw video every single Monday. There's a raw video that goes along with the audio podcast and it has before and after the show, in between, any mistakes, anything that might hit the cutting room floor. You want to see us mess up? This is the this place. Is, yeah, you want exactly. to see us wear shirts? This is the em. place. That's yeah. right. Uh, that is uh, every single Monday for $2 a month. Now, if you add one buck to that, that's right, one buck, that's a quarter a week. Wow. Okay. Well, nice math there. It's only five nickels a week. Uh, you will get not only the raw video, but every other Friday. Quinn and I are going through WWF Championship Wrestling 1983. You heard that right. 83. Three. We finished 82. And all of it. You know, if you sign up for this Patreon thing here, uh, you get all those episodes also. Yes, every single 82. And we are releasing archived ones in but order. that's way behind. Yeah, they're behind. But if you want to taste it, feel it out, you can do that uh, audio version or YouTube. Uh, but yes, WWF 1983 now. We're in January. Quinn and I sit here and we watch it along with you guys and give our commentary and our thoughts and our sides and basically There's a lot just, to say about this uh, yeah. lonely little show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's only three bucks a month. And now if you had two more dollars for just five dollars a month, that's the top tier. That's, that's all it. it is. It only goes up to five. That's most people's... go up to 11. That's most people's starting tiers is yeah. five, you know? That's it. That's the max, okay? You're going to get the raw video every mm-hmm. single Monday. Okay. Which also includes an archive of Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras and commentaries as right. well. You're going to get the WWF 1983 reviews and the whole archive of 82. And every single month, we're releasing a new pay-per-view review, a full-length audio podcast. These are so fun. These are fun. And we're, these are big. These are long episodes. Two and a half, three hours. We just did the Royal Rumble 88. That came out a little while ago. Next month, WrestleMania 4 for September. And that's going to be biggie. long. Very long. <laughs> yes, it is, because the show is. And those are full-length audio podcast reviews, the same style as our normal Monday show. Just five bucks a month, you get all that stuff. If you want to support the show, check out patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. Really, we would appreciate it. And if not, we would. Yeah. And if not, really, it's okay. Yeah. But hey, if you like the stuff, go get more stuff. We have neat stuff. If you like stuff, we got it. We got the stuff. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We got the stuff. We got the stuff. Uh, Daddy Longlegs, we have yep. been uh, doing the finishers this season, the Royal Rankings, Royal Flush of Finishers. Mm-hmm. Let's explain that in case there's any new people. What the hell is a royal ranking? Yeah, the, the newbies. Yeah, they, the noobs. They, they need to know about this, yeah. this thing we do over here, right? Okay, so what's a royal ranking? What's a royal flush? Well, before the season starts, we get from you, the fans, a list of your top 10 mm-hmm. and bottom 10 of anything, you know, whatever we might be doing. In this case, it was finishers, right? right? So you send us your list. They all go into a tank here. Right. The top 10 names from each tank, from the best and the worst, they make it to the final uh, pool, the final, the, the final the, pool, the, the pool that, the final we pick, pool. that we pick from. Right. Every other week, we draw out for the rankings in the flush. We alternate. Kind of like the Royal Rumble. You ever it? heard that? We draw two names at a time. We put them in, and we see where they rank. Now, this week is the Royal Rankings, okay? That's the best. So on the list right now for the Royal Rankings of finishers, at number one is the Tombstone and the pile driver in general that was combined right. into one thing the pile driver essentially it's a it's a it's a good finisher right now it's the greatest finisher of all uh, time well i mean that's what happens when you rank things right <laughs> some somebody's got to end up at the top and at number 2 is the stone cold stunner yes or the stunner a good move as well Even uh, if it's but not stone only number two number two now this week we're going to add two more names and we're going to see where they rank it is the royal rankings of finishers let's go down to howard finkel ladies and gentlemen it is now time for the royal rankings the 
inside drop. Superfly perch, 15 feet high. DDT, 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 DDT. Rankings of finishers in wrestling. We have two on the board, and two more are going to be joining the fray today. Michael? Frey Wyatt. Frey Wyatt. Now, yeah. finishers, like we mentioned last week and the week before, they can be really they can be really coo. Uh, they are the cooest. They are the cooest, because it's supposed to be, like in theory anyway, it's supposed to be what ends your match. Yeah, it's the most powerful move in your repertoire. Yeah, in your arsenal, if you yeah, will. Uh, arsenal, your, yes. Weapons. Well, repertoire uh, yeah. Yeah. It works, too. Uh-huh. Repertoire. That's the French way of yeah, saying it. Repertoire. Yeah, repertoire. You've specialized in this move. You've practiced it. You are a master of this move. You specialize in repertoire. Who's a better stunner than Steve? No one. John Repertoire. <laughs> So we have we have two on the board, like we mentioned, the uh, pile driver, which includes the tombstone, and the stone cold stunner. So let's all go down now and find out who drew number three. It's the legendary Doomsday Device. The Doomsday Device, Michael. Wow. So this is a little different because this is a tag yeah. team move. Yeah, uh, and they were allowed. Yeah, I mean, all finishers uh, yeah. are allowed here. Obviously, the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, use this uh, what do you, pretty what much do you, their whole career. Yeah, what do you think, first of all, of tag team finishers? Just since we probably won't have a time to talk about that. Uh, I think there are only a handful of really, really memorable ones ever, mm-hmm. but... They're memorable for a reason because they're really, really good. Right. I feel nowadays tag team finishers are not highlighted at all, really. It's usually just flippity yeah. flu. And yeah, a lot of flippity, a lot of flu. Yeah. Uh, but man, back in the day, you had the demolition, decapitation, you had the heart attack, you had even Power and Glory had the fucking power plex. Right. The Rockers was, would do um, tandem fist drops from different corners, mm-hmm. things like Everyone that. Everyone had a thing. Yeah. It's very Shit, cool. Shit, man. But the, the road, yeah, it was cool. The Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom, had the Doomsday Device, which. It would be where Animal, mm-hmm. the Power Man, right? He yep. was the Power Man, but Hawk- you think of him as the Power Man. I don't yeah. know. I kind of they're interchangeable. As no, far they're as not. Power no. is concerned. No, you're going to be hearing it from okay, people on that. One. Tony Chirichetti is going to get on your ass me. about it. But uh, no, Animal was the bigger guy, and so he would do the heavy lifting, right? And he would take uh, the hapless opponent onto his shoulders in the setup for an electric chair drop, right? right where but he, he wouldn't drop him. No, Hawk. Who was obviously the high flyer? Because he's big, a hawk, big high flyer, the third hawk of wrestling. Yeah, Rip Hawk, Hawk Hogan, and Hawk. Yeah, just Hawk, <laughs> just Hawk. Hawk would fly off the top rope like a bird, right. With a flying clothesline. That's to why this. they called him Hawk. Right That's in the in the bars across the nation, they were all like, "Wow, he can really fly." Let's call him Hawk. He didn't right. have a name before that. No. He was just a guy, Michael Hegstrand. Yeah, and he would fly off with a clothesline onto the Hammenegger. Yeah, off of Animal's shoulders, and it would look awesome. Well, it, the guy would flip, and like, the guy would. Yeah, that's the best part of it. I think. I think that's like what makes it memorable to people. Is like, the cell. It looks bad from like a like actually hurting him perspective not like it's a bad move i no, just no, no. made it. it looks like um somebody might get killed right <laughs> it looks like it could really hurt somebody and the cell was a big part of it the flip because if you're just taking it like an electric chair drop bump like a flat back bump it doesn't look as impressive yeah, it's right. just like they're both falling over but i think the great visual of this these two menacing guys right they both have really stupid haircuts they're big and i would never fuck with either of them oh no. honestly uh, <laughs> or even someone close to their size oh my god um, those two guys badass, are a man. scary looking team 
Animal and Hawkman were uh, legitimately badasses. Right. In the same way that the Steiners were. And I a lot joked of these about old that guys bar were. thing, but weren't they like bouncers or something yes. in, the, in Atlanta? And like you know, some, Chicago. Or Chicago. I Chicago. Forget, I've always heard the story that some Crockett person that worked there ran into them or something. Vern. It was a, or they Vern? started in Vern's territory. Oh, did they? I think it was the AWA, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Where they started. Well, either way, maybe it was. Maybe Crockett discovered him first. I don't know. You guys are sour and gory. They were discovered in frickin' Minneapolis, dumbass. Regardless, they were a badass team, and that was their finishing move, and they put away numerous opponents with that. I think the visual, visually, it's the coolest move we've talked about so far, because it's two guys, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's the coolest. Is it it, the best, though? We'll have to find out when it's ranking time, but if you think of the logistics behind it, you know, we like to break this down, right? Yes, that would hurt. Yes. Because if you get clotheslined off of someone's shoulders, mm-hmm. <laughs> it fucking hurts. Well, it's, it's a long fall. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think logistically, from a realistic perspective, some people might say, how would you ever get in this position in a real like fight? Like, how well, would this ever happen? That's the only thing. <laughs> that's part of the criterion, right? Is that yeah. we think about the realism behind it. If you get your opponent screwed up enough, yeah. you get them on your shoulders... You get your friend to climb up on something and you close line them up. How do you, it's a popular street fighting would, move. Yeah. How would you get how would you get them in such a Playing position chicken with people? where they would cooperate enough where you could put your head under their balls, basically? I'm not gonna them. find out. I'm just saying. And how would they not like punch you off or whatever? That is fair. I'm just saying. You you have to suspend enough disbelief that the person being hoisted yeah. is not trying to unhoist himself. Right. You the never see anyone once, trying to dismount. Yeah, the other thing is once they get up there, you could theoretically like wiggle. It's not like a person is balancing you. Like well, you, you could easily like throw them off. Well, you know what the good counter to that move is, Quinn? And I'm sure it's been done, maybe not to the Road Warriors, but to others. The counter to that move is a victory roll. Right. I was just going to say that. You're yeah, on the guy's shoulders. And you, so it's counterable. Yeah. But so is a tombstone. And I bet you nowadays, like, I could see a guy like... Um, There's no finishers anymore. No, no, no. But I'm saying if somebody was set up in this move, right, I could see a wrestler like, for example, like AJ Styles seems like a guy that could easily, like, victory his, oh, hell his yeah. way out of, uh, out of that move. Absolutely. You know what I mean? 100%. A wrestler like that. A wrestler's wrestler, yeah. damn it. But other than that, it has a lot going for it. It's got a lot of panache. It's got a lot of sizzle. Yeah. It does have the sizzle. Does it have some steak? Not some sizzle. Got a steak, though. Yeah. JR would probably be a big fan of this movie, and I'm sure he was. Big horses there! <laughs> big <laughs> horses playing football! <laughs> Something about football. Uh, Joe Laronitis. Yeah. Animal. Oh, what strength! Military pressing Mike Rotunda high above his head. Which he is, Joe, the animal, Joe Laronitis. Yes. His brother stinks. What? How do you think he wrestling? got the name Animal? Did he, he's did an he animal. Like, or did he like Animal from the Muppets, maybe? <laughs> I, I've always wondered. Did he like George Animal Steel? Yeah. Nevertheless, I thought as a kid that was like a deadly looking move. Oh, yeah. Big and fan of it. I'm always a fan of like, did they, I, I, in my brain I remember this, maybe I'm wrong. So I'll throw it by you. They did do it to the Nasty Boys when they won the belt. Yeah, is that right? how they won them? I That's think what so. I thought. I, I just remember SummerSlam and everyone going fucking nuts. Oh yeah, that was and a big I, deal. It's like I always remember that. I was just making sure I wasn't Mandelaing that. No, memory. I'm pretty sure yeah. they they did it to yeah. to the Nasties. They did it a lot. I mean, that was their thing. The Dudleys did it a bit too, didn't they? Did they? They picked that up eventually. The Dudleyville device or something. The Dudley device. I, I swear. Did they call it that. 
Yeah, I think uh, they did. But obviously the main the main team associated with it. Other teams have done I've seen it. I've seen the Beverly's do it, I think. Right. Or the Steiners, somebody. But the main team associated with it is obviously the uh the Road Warriors. Well, I would think great move. I think a mark of how good the move is mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's influential. People were imitating it and doing it. And it shows also how influential the uh, Legion of Dumb <laughs> is? Yeah, I mean they were they were the first were they the first to do this move? Probably, but were I, I they, don't know of anybody that I did think this. they were. Yeah, yeah, but were they? I was going to say, were they the first tag team of their ilk? Um, I mean, I guess really they, big, scary, intimidating people with the, the look. What about the Samoans? They're pretty big and scary and intimidating. I'm just saying to an extent, I guess. But these guys were different, right? I mean, isn't that why they were so over? Yeah, just this bodybuilder physique I mean, style. The height just, is definitely the difference here. They height, were very but, big, but they were muscular. The Samoans are built like Samoans. No offense, but yeah, you know, I they just were, mean that the Samoans look like they could hurt you. Oh, they could. You know what I mean? They, they'd eat you. Right. That was the implication. Then they're right? going to eat me. So, oh my, oh my god. god! Weighing combined total of six hundred seventeen pounds, the Wild Samoans. Oh my god! All right, so I think that'll do it for yeah. the uh, Doomsday device. Enough Doomsday talk. That was number three. Let's all now find out what drew number four. And yes, the sharpshooter executed to perfection. You know what? Uh, Conan taught me the scorpion hold. <laughs> So the scorpion hold, the sharpshooter. The sharpshooter! Now, this yes. is definitely a move that uh, Brett didn't do first. I don't know, but he never pretended that the he did. Scorpion hold. Scorpion hold. It was invented. Uh, this is a sharpshooter. Invented by Ricky Choshu. You've heard of him. Never hear oh, yeah. of him? Ricky Choshu. Yes. Oh, that, he is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he I is. Uh, and that's where it was called the scorpion hold in Japan. Oh, scorpion hold. <laughs> it's also known as the uh, the scorpion deathlock by right. Sting. Sting right. used it. And, and did Sting Sting had to have done it first? Yeah, he, he did. Eighty nine or whatever. Eighty nine or ninety, I think he started using it. So here's a here's an instance where Sting is uh, somewhat of a pioneer of Bret Hart. It, Ronnie Garvin used it first too. Did, Quinn, so saying, if you want to add that to your repertoire, yeah, I'm just over there. I'm just saying that Sting predated Bret for this is it's weird to me actually. Yeah, but it's this, not like this case. Bret never pretended that he invented it. No, not at all, and certainly not in this clip you're about to hear in three, two. One. Those early days with my dad helped me come up with a submission hold of my own. My finishing move. The sharpshooter. This is just more people's memory of Brett. Yeah. Because I think that people think Brett was like the only person to do this or the original to do the sharpshooter just because he it was so he was so successful with it and yeah. so popular. Yeah, Sting didn't use it as much as Brett did either. Right. It wasn't as finisher I always for felt Sting. Sting had like a million different ways he could beat you like yeah. the, the splash and all that. The Stinger splash. He had yeah. a bunch of things. The Scorpion death drop in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. Remember that one? So it, the, Brett kind of really solidified it and I think that's why you know it's co- coming in as the sharpshooter yeah. on this list. So you, what is the sharpshooter, Joe? It's basically a combination of a cloverleaf and a Boston crab and a reverse figure four all in one move. Wow. So it's a lot of stuff. It's the figure four in the sense that you're crossing the legs into like a figure four position. Mm-hmm. It's a cloverleaf because that's what you would do anyway for a cloverleaf, but you're putting you're threading your leg through. Right. The rest of the execution of the move is like a Boston crab. You're elevated and you're putting pressure on their back. It's really more 
It hurts your back. It doesn't really yes. hurt your legs. And that's always the funniest part about this move to me is as a kid. Right. We went before we tried it ourselves. Right, right, right. We figured if we did it to each other, oh, our legs are gonna are gonna be in pain because all the wrestlers would be like, Oh my legs, yeah. like they, I can't walk. It hurts da, your- da, da. But like when when it actually like we did it for the first time to each other as kids, we realized that it hurts like the small of your back. Yeah, yeah. and like if it you crushes it. And if you really get it cranked down, it can hurt your abdomen too. It'll stretch you out there. Right. The way but a Boston the, crab would. I think the immediate first pain if you did it to somebody is they, they feel it in the small of the back. Right. Right. That's where the pressure gets applied. I and, agree. And it's like devastating like it feels yeah, like you it could, fucking hurts it feels like you could break someone's back with it yes like, honestly if when if they if brett or whoever wanted to crank down on and hurt you they could right but that that move hurts and uh, i always thought that was so cool about it actually is like i know they don't encourage kids to do the moves but it happens right oh, i did the sharpshooter all the time and i right. put in the sharpshooter all the time so I guess my point is is that it always made me feel like what brett was doing was a real thing like it you know what i mean you know, I like to do things real. You know, I th- always thought I wanted to do a hold that, that seemed real. My dad thought it was a good move. Right. And I think that... Um, and you couldn't feel the same thing with like something like if you tried to do the super kick to your friend. Right. Cause you, yeah, First of all, I you know. gotta land it, which yeah. is like nearly impossible to do. <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to kick your friend in the face. Right. You know, like you don't want to hurt him. Right. But the sharpshooter seems safe enough to do to your friend. But also, once you experience it, you're <laughs> yeah. like, holy shit, this yeah. hurts. Like, you really crank it on, it hurts. Yeah. Uh, now... If you ask me, Bret Hart did the sharpshooter than anybody. In fact, if you ask Brett, Brett did the sharpshooter better than anybody, too. Oh, yeah, without question. And I agree. I mean, it's most closely associated. I don't know this Conan business. Conan knew it, so he taught it to him. How do you, like, not know how to... Because like, it wasn't, no one saying, in the U.S. used it regularly. So I, Yeah, I guess all I'm trying to say is that, like, I feel like if you just saw someone do it, it seems pretty, like easy to figure out how to do is my yeah, but point you don't that's not how you do wrestling quinn you don't just guess you don't want to hurt someone i know you don't guess <laughs> you know you've I, I'm just you have someone show you properly so you don't hurt your opponent you mean the safe way of doing it so safe yeah, yeah of course not, that way not, you're not just guessing yeah because as L- kids listen, we would just do it like the way we thought it looked yeah, and it hurt <laughs> but when you're in a business where you're putting your trust into another person's hands you don't guess you learn how to do it right yeah, and you know, Brett made it look like it was so snug. and He did it awesomely. I don't know. It's actually interesting. Like, I, I don't know if it's like physics or anatomy or whatever the fuck. But like, I don't. How did he hold it in such a way where like it looked like he was sitting on it, but like it's raised enough. So I guess he's not applying. The I think pressure. he was just squatting more than he was sitting, right? Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. It, it is weird when you think about it. Yeah. Because the way he has it, it must burn his fucking thighs to like sit oh, like yeah. that like for that long especially that, in matches where they did it for like a long time like submission matches right 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 yeah i think eventually he would just start sitting on it lightly if, yeah. if he couldn't squat anymore but yeah yeah you're kind of squatting now other people that have done it uh ronnie garvin i mentioned he actually wins that submission match with valentine with it oh right at rumble right. 90 it was called a reverse figure four by shivani there Staying like we mentioned, I think DBS used it briefly in in eighty seven or eight. I could like be a wrong. Move that DBS would use. Yep, uh, and of course Shawn Michaels did his version of it, uh, n- most notably in Montreal. But he kept it right, didn't he? Occasionally do it. 
Yeah, it was kind of like his his like insult move. Yeah, it was like an insult move. And The Rock did a horrible variation of the sharpshooter that Bret Hart would always make fun of. Like, yeah, nobody knows how to put it on anymore. <laughs> and of course, Natty, <laughs> Natty does it too. I never thought Natty's looked that poor. It looks good. Yeah, it looks okay. And of course, my brother Own. Yeah, Own did his own sharpshooter. Right. Well, he had to. I mean, it was good. Gi- his whole gimmick was is like He's, I'm better than I'm Bre- better than I'm, Brett. Yeah. So, so it's like I'm going to do everything Brett does, just better. You know what I loved about their uh, their cage match, which was is a bloodless cage match. You know, it's SummerSlam '94, but I really mm-hmm. like it. Almost a 25 year anniversary of that show. Wow, of me watching wrestling on pay per view. Interesting. It's really, seriously. So it's almost 50 years now. Of combined fandom that we're coming shit. up on. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, quick story here is in the cage match, Owen locks on the sharpshooter on Brett in the middle of the ring. And I remember watching this live as a kid, just got into wrestling. The magic was there, mm-hmm. so to a speak. Lot of right? magic. And I remember being so amazed at how Brett reached from behind, hooked Owen's leg, pulled him down, and reversed the sharpshooter. My friend and I reenacted that for weeks wow. because we were so enthralled with how Brett knew the counter to his own well, hole. special move. Right, right. And we went over this in the first finishers <laughs> thing is that, like, if you know how to do it, yeah. you know how to get out of it, you know how to do it best. It's why Owen, I guess, can't do it as good. Even though, like, I felt like Owen was, the way they interpreted him to us through kayfabe was yeah. that, like, he did the. He knew the sharpshooter just as well as Brett. Right. Like, he wasn't inferior. Right. It wasn't <laughs> inferior. It just was like maybe a tinge less as good or right, something. Like, <laughs> if it came down to a battle of like them doing the sharpshooter to each other, like Brett would win right. somehow. But like, Owen would beat everybody else. Right. right exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <But and> that, <laughs> that's which is weird as a character. Because, but it's real. Yeah. But my point is, it's weird as a character because you're basically saying like. Yeah, Owen's better than everyone in the World Federation or whatever. Yeah. But if he has to fight Bret Hart, who's the champion, <laughs> right? Which means he's never going to fucking win. Like, right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like what? <laughs> like, how is that a good strategy of fighting Bret? Like, you would think like he'd develop another finisher instead, so that yeah, but that he never did. Right? No. That was always his finisher. So I mean, that's all I got on the sharpshooter. I I personally think that, and we'll get to rank him. I personally think it's a great finisher. I do. Um, my only thing with it, and you know, before we rank it or whatever, yep. is a lot of these top finishers, a lot of the ones people remember, have some kind of like impact or something. This is the first submission move. It's a submission move, so it's more like a. It takes time to win with it. Let's put it that way. It's not immediate. Right. I mean, some guys would just quit right away, like jobbers or whatever. Of course. But, but for the most part, if you were fighting a real superstar, they'd be in it for like five minutes. Well, or. They would have been weakened before and then, like, immediately applied. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I, I just remember a lot of Brett matches where if he was fighting a big superstar... He like, rarely, he would, he he rarely would, won big matches with it. Yeah, I'm just saying you would see the, the big superstar, like, fighting mm-hmm. to get to the ropes. Oh, yeah. Like you know, Razor Ramona, Rumble 93. I'm not even kidding. That's yeah. real. I'm not even trying like, to be funny. A real superstar wouldn't just, like, melt to it. No, and that's why Brett often didn't win with it in big matches. Right. He normally won by, like, a sneaky pin or he out-wrestled yeah, somebody. small package. Small package. All right, Quinn, is it ranking time? Yeah, let's rank. All right, rankings rigors here. So, for number one right now is still the pile driver, the tombstone. Mm-hmm. And number two is the Stone Cold Stunner. So, the Doomsday Device, I... I'm pretty impressed with a doomsday device. Me Quinn. too. A lot of a lot of sizzle, impact or whatever. Yeah. Dare I would say, is it more realistic and more like 
mm, than the stunner. Even so, though the stunner's iconic, that's so, the thing. Okay, so the problem is the realism here, um, because... Neither the, of them are? <laughs> no, 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 but the stunner seems like you could realistically hit it out of nowhere. You could, in theory, yes. Yeah, because, I mean, even though the, the kicking I, the kicking always bothered me. Remember, there's an article out, I guess, about how he did that to, like, it's like a warning shot that the move is coming for the audience. Right. It's like kind of, because the move itself is so quick, so the kick is kind of there to, like, just give them enough time to realize the stunner is coming. Right. And, or maybe the middle finger prior to the right, kick right. or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So, I... <laughs> The problem with the Doomsday device, again, though, is, like, the whole setup part is even more elaborate than the stupid... <laughs> it's true. There's a lot of, like, like logistics. Jump, jump kick or whatever Austin does, like, kick to the boiler. Well, the boiler? Yeah. The other thing is, too, though, Quinn, we, there's a lot of criteria here, right? There's the realism, there's the impact, there's the way it looks. There's also just the overall legacy of the move, and as great as the Doomsday device is... When you think finishers in wrestling, I, me anyway, I think stunner much more than I think doomsday device. Yeah, however, um, you're also forgetting that the doomsday device is a tag move, and when I think yeah. of tag move finishers, that's number that's one or two like for me. The number one, like of its style, that so, or the heart attack for me, and probably this is better. Right. But so it's it's tough for me to. I feel like I feel like the pile driver is probably better than both of these. Personally, I think I because don't think the Doomsday so, device is beating the pile driver. The pile driver is just so damn devastating. It's like and it's classic. It's banned and all this shit. Right? There's ang- and the, the Undertaker gave the pile driver a whole new life. You know, right? Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> but on the other hand, as far as the stunner's concerned, I love the stunner. I think it's a great move. Right. But I also think the Doomsday device is like at its level. Yeah, like, I know don't what know. I mean? Maybe. Well, huh. in in the ring. In the ring, yeah. In the I, ring. As far I, as a devastating fucking move. Like, in the ring, I think the Doomsday Device is a better move. In the ring. In the ring. Legacy-wise, though, and overall appeal, I think the stunner would get the nod, but so you, we have to narrow it down. But you say that. Yes, I do. But here's the problem. Yes. Is that, like, we're talking about the move, not just the wrestler or whatever, right? Like, the, the, the reason the stunner gets its yes. iconic status it's is, of Austin. is simply because of Austin. Like, anybody could have done it. A lot of people did. Like, here's the Mikey thing. Mikey Whipbrack did it before him and no one cared. Yeah, here's the thing is the diamond cutter is pretty fucking cool, but, like, people don't talk about it as much as the stunner because Diamond Dallas Page did it. Well, the RKO, though, Randy Orton helped with that because it's right. that, that's the diamond cutter. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. He helped, like, rejuvenate it, you know, 15, I mean, 20 Randy years Orton later. Randy Orton just does the same fucking thing. It, it, out of nowhere is the tr- is That's literally what Diamond Dallas Page yeah. was doing with the diamond in the nineties. But my, my comparison, though, the point is, is that like it was more the 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 wrestler that the, made the stunner. The right? wrestler elevated the stunner. I mean, anybody can do the stunner. Like, I mean, like we sh- we we talked about that. It's like a million people did the stunner. And same thing with the fucking uh, Doomsday Advice device. There, anyone can do it. And, and they any did. big enough tag. Yeah, other other and wrestlers it, did it. Right, other tag teams. But that's what I'm saying. So it's so even in a lot of these things. Yeah. And I also think that if you talk to a um, Crockett's or maybe AWA fans yes. from the 80s, they would say, well, the Doomsday Device is like one of the greatest. It, it might be number one to them because it was just it had such an impact. I remember I, I remember when I was a fan in the 90s and the LOD were still around. Everyone would be like, Doomsday Device, Doomsday yeah. Device. Like it's like, like the nobody, DDT of tag finisher, or, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's just like, it's just this absolutely devastating. That's why LOD's so good. They got the Doomsday Device. Huge like, pop for it all the yeah, time. It's like, but what about the stunner? A huge pop for that. The crowd wants that. This is such a like, this is tough footing. 
Um, it is. The only thing... Uh, I don't want to shortchange the Doomsday here. I don't want to shortchange the Stunner either. That, I know. <sighs> this is serious, folks. This is scientific, you got to remember. And we try our best here to rank this organically, scientifically. And let us know yours, too. There's a way I can look at this and, and feel okay about it. What's that? Um, the Stunner is universal in a way where, like, any wrestler can do it and make it good. Whereas the Doomsday device, there's a lot of coordination. There's a lot of, um, you got to have two people. You can't just, Well, like, yeah, of course. I'm just saying, like, maybe that makes the stunner, like, eke out over it. I think the stunner ekes out over it anyway. Just yeah. because I just think it's a more popular, enduring move. That's all. Yeah. I think the Doomsday I, I do is think great. The Doomsday is very enduring to Absolutely. a lot of people. Absolutely. Especially people in the Crockett territory. Like, that, yeah, that shit was like. That was like Ugh. the fucking end. Well, you know what? That, yeah, you're right. And now that I'm thinking about it, the Doomsday device has more of a devastation factor than the stunner. That's and th- yes, that's what's really sticking out at me. Number two, Doomsday. Wow, really? It looks cooler than the stunner. Man, you said it, Quinn. But there's a Austin lot of, made the stunner. Austin made the stunner. The this stunner move, was nothing. like even though the LED popularized it, whoever on a big enough stage did it, it would have been... Oh, it looked great if yeah. it was anybody did it. And we also mentioned uh, two weeks ago that really the stunner didn't... Like, he did it throughout the second half of 96 and throughout 97, but really, really, really it became the stunner when he started stunning people with yeah, it all the like, time. like Jim Ross and shit. Yeah, like, and just like not in matches, like just random stunners, right? Yeah, the Doomsday device was always... That's how you end a it was an wrestling ender. match. It was a true ender. Like, it, it just... It's like absolutely Ugh. devastating, but it. I love the stunner too. This is why it's hard. Uh, well, here's my problem: is in, maybe I'm just letting the general consensus opinion. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there that truly believe this. There's like articles written about how the stunner is the greatest move ever, or some shit. Yeah, but they're not scientists the way we are. That's true. We're they're, scientists. They're, they're not running the beakers. No, they don't have the white coats on. Yeah, and the nets. The the doomsday device petri dish. I mean, that is to me. I can't really think of a lot of like tag finishers before that. Like I don't know that there were many Samoans, for example. No, one of them just did a Samoan. One of them just did a thing, right? Right. That was pretty much tag wrestling, wasn't it? And and Saito. One of them did a thing. One of them did the butt drop or the Vader bomb or whatever Fuji did the pump splash, right? Right. It was always like one guy. The Doomsday Device is kind of unique in that it. I don't know. Cooperative. I don't know if it like. I'm not gonna. I'm not Dave Meltzer, so I don't have an exhaustive Good. history. I'm glad but you're my not. point is, is that it might actually form a sentence. When it you might talk. have ushered in an era of like cooperative tag team finishers because it got so over. Well, yeah, I'll yeah, tell yeah. you this: there wasn't moves like the demolition decapitation yet. Yeah, I don't know. I never. Now that I'm talking about demolition, I just mean heart attack. That move, yeah. Heart attack was early. 85. It was, but this this move was... The, I don't know when they started. I think they debuted that, as a team in 84. I thought that, that on that debut match that's on the network or whatever, they yeah, do that. That's 84, they do right? The d- device. Yeah. So... Yeah, like... Uh, all right. Because one thing everyone forgets about the LOD or Road Warriors, whatever yeah. you call them in your territory, yeah. um, is that they just... The, the minute they debuted, like, they shot to the moon as far as like yeah. everyone seemed to know about them yeah. like yeah, they were in wrestling magazines yeah. and, like people were impressed and I know that the Doomsday Device maybe if you're the big LOD historian maybe you'll say well, well they actually debuted two months in or, or something but like <laughs> the point is is that they had it like pretty early on 
and like this this was a big deal and like it was almost legendary because they weren't they couldn't get a, it took them time to get to every single territory to show like yeah. but people knew what the fuck that was like you know what i mean like it, it was just so like when they came to wf eventually like it was like holy shit like we lod's here right it wasn't like yeah you know all right well the one thing then that we have to i'm fine with making it number two but for one thing the logistics of the setup. Oh, the setup is bad. I, I will admit the uh, believability in that someone. But you could be stunned enough that you you don't have your wits about you and you can't do anything about being <laughs> it, held on someone's shoulders for just, twenty seconds. It's. I feel like the setup at least is a little quicker on the Doomsday device in a weird way because it's just like animal just gets the fuck under you and then you're like, oh, I kick it out. Like, yeah. but like Austin, it's like middle finger, uh, you know, p- like punch or kick to the groin and and then and then like stunner yeah, that makes sense to me it makes sense i'm not saying it's bad or anything i'm just saying that like maybe yeah. it's six a dozen of one half a dozen of the other with with the setup here yeah i'm like, gonna keep you know it. what i mean i think my final decision quinn and it's up to you really though is i want to keep doomsday at number three and not wow, put it okay. above the stunner i think the stunner just ekes it out that this has been one of the toughest ones i know it shouldn't be but it is yeah are you okay with that? I think it's just yeah the influence of the it's just, doomsday. It's, it's like yeah, but the stunner is the stunner. Yeah, I just think it. I think it's a question of um, eras, like where you grew up. Maybe like, if you maybe. grew up in the ninety, like if your first big exposure to wrestling, like witnessing a boom was the nineties, you would probably say the stunner. But if you were in the eighties, like the doomsday device was pretty well known. Like, I guess it was, so. It was very a very big move. So what are we doing? Let's let's just go with the stunner over the doomsday. But I, yeah, I think barely. That we've almost made it harder for the sharpshooter. Well, that's not <laughs> the get, sharpshooter's fault. Yeah, we got to talk about it yeah. now. Okay, so sharpshooter. Um, this is this is at three doomsday. Yeah. Okay. Sharpshooter's the first submission move on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, sharpshooter legitimately hurts. It does. The believability is only to the point where you have to get it on the person. Right. That's the only thing Problem against is it. Problem impact. That's the other. There's thing no against. impact. No, but it's psychologically, it's not. It's different. Submission moves right. in general, I generally have a hard time with because of that. Because psychologically, it's different. You right. Know? But the way Brett put it on, it was exciting. It was like get the leg through and the big turn. Over. It was yeah. big. It was big moves. He made it, no, he made it work. He made it theatrical. Now the thing about the sharpshooter too is that I think it only fits um, certain sets of wrestlers. Um, like, there's a reason why a guy like Sting could also do it. Because yeah. it's like this, like, medium-sized yep. wrestler move. Like, yep. it's not... You're not going to see Vader doing it. Well, well, I think he tried once and he didn't know how. It's real. Yeah, my point <laughs> is it's like, like, or even LOD or something. No, they don't need to do something like that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's so, a Brett-type move. It's, it's a, a very Sting-sized s- person. It's very specific to Sting, Kurt Angle. Type. Yeah. That type, right? Yeah. Sting, Kurt Angle. Uh, Natty, don't forget. She yeah. likes cats. I don't she know does. if you know this. She wears the little cat ears. She likes still. them a lot. <laughs> like, still. And her mom is Ellie. Yes. And a fairly salty little oh, boy. Salty. Uh, anyway. Gotta get new cat litter. All anyway, right, so the, for for the sharpshooter, it's an iconic move, I think, in WF. because and Not in WCW. Like, Sting... It yes. was just part of Sting's yeah. thing. It's like we all know that he did it, but no one really thinks too hard about Sting I, doing it, right? But I definitely right? saw Sting did finish people with it. Oh, like, I have to. It wasn't, sure, like, it wasn't sure. just some like laughable move. Like, well, he finished Hogan with it in that horrible main event at Starcade. 
That just, awful. Did Hogan even give up, or did Brett just say he did? Well, even do you he, see Hogan like question? give up? I, and this is not to talk about Stark at ninety seven. I'm just asking, like a psych, from a psychological and like yeah. game perspective here. What? If he didn't give up, isn't that kind of feeding into the like? Oh, it's like Survivor Series. <laughs> That's what, what I, mean? I mean. Yeah, like what I'm saying because I really can't remember is. Brett restarts the match, right? I think Hogan did the... Ah, yeah, yes! yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That That's seems like totally something Hulk Hogan would do. It wasn't Brett just ringing the bell even though Hogan didn't give up, right? Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I, I thought it was... I thought he actually gave up. I don't I think, think that, so. I don't think that was in question. The question was the three count. Nevertheless. Yeah. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Sharpshooter. Brett won only one of his world titles with it, which is... he Five? He only won it once, and it was against Flair. Right, the first one. That was it. Well, the, that's the most important one, The too. most important one, but every other time it was either like Yoko falls off the ropes, small package to Diesel, throws... Shawn Michaels hits with somebody with a chair. Yeah, throws the guy out of the ring in the final four, and he won some of his defenses with the sharpshooter, no doubt, but a lot of times he, he won the IC, the first IC against Kurt Hennig with the sharpshooter also. Right. And that was it. He, he well, didn't seem like Bret Hart, it seems like the trend is his first... Yeah, his first IC like, and his first is, world. This is my fucking move, man. But he uh, he didn't win a lot of his pay-per-view matches with the Sharpshooter, which is really weird. He beat Sean with it at Survivor Series 92. He beat Razor with it. But that was also because the emphasis on, like, Brett being, like, a dynamic wrestler. And, right. You know, any, any size or shape could fight Brett hard and he'd win. It's true. Three King of the Ring matches in 93 didn't win any of them with the Sharpshooter. Right. How cool is that, though? Now, does that weaken the sharpshooter as a move that it I don't can't know. be recognized as a no-doubt-about-it finisher? You could read that two ways. Yeah. Because you're right. Or, does it speak volumes to how over Brett got the move because he didn't even have to win with it all the time, yet people associate it with him? Mm, I don't know about that Okay, logic. then I'll, I'll, I'll I, drop I know, that argument. I honestly, I don't. like Because I, I just feel like a good finisher, we've always talked about, it's like, we always like, if a, if a finisher is like no-doubt-about-it, we we always like point that out like it's like it's, it's a highlight of that finisher well there's that, only two people that didn't give up to it that i know of well maybe undertaker austin at wrestlemania 13 mm-hmm. powered out gave us that great visual with the blood right and sean at the iron man right hung on just in time but the psychology of that match was finally brett snaps it on in the last 10 seconds and everyone's losing their shit they're like yeah. holy shit he got the sharpshooter on in a weird way protects sean too because it says yeah look at how like dynamic he was the whole match that brett only in the closing seconds where yep. it doesn't really make matter he can't beat him with it because the time expires yeah. like he hung on just long enough yeah, exactly for the time to expire for gorilla monsoon to ruin my life <laughs> Yeah, but you you raise a good point. As associated as it is with Bret Hart and as a great finisher, he didn't win a lot of big stuff with, again, first world title on Coliseum Video. Coliseum Video <laughs> title victory, yep. And first I seen, he, he had it on Hennig for like three seconds, and Hebner called for the bell earlier. Remember that? Yeah, and that's Kurt's also, back. yeah, the back. The Lloyd's. Back thing. Yeah, Lloyd, the Lloyd's. Lloyd's of back. And he had it all sideways yeah. to not hurt him as much. Right, Remember right. at SummerSlam? Uh, other than that, yeah, Brett didn't win with it a lot on pay-per-view or big matches. He beat people with it, obviously. Do you think there's an element to the, the sharpshooter that isn't associated with finishing matches in a weird way? Because with Brett, of course, he, you know, pasty jobbers go down to it and shit. Yeah. But, like, even when people, like, took the move for themselves, mm-hmm. like, Sting didn't always beat, well, not that Sting took it, but um, my point is Sting didn't always, like, win with it. Natty. Um, Natty, <sighs> Natty 
doesn't win with it all the time either. Not even, yeah, it doesn't so, win often. Uh, <laughs> but I'm even thinking of like the rocket was like a su- my point is, is the, with the rocket was like a sub move. That's because it looked like shit. That's not my point. The point is, is that if the sharpshooter is so devastating from a kayfabe perspective, I yeah, don't care yeah, what you think of how I know, it looks. I, know, like, I get it. Like, shouldn't the rock just like insta win with it? Yeah, but Quinn, the pile driver is number one, and tons of people have done the pile driver and not won with it. Of course, but the pile driver for people that that was their move. It's not just like a something they're doing. Yeah, but the the rock's finisher was. I mean, the rock's. You're right. Okay, sorry. I'm making I, I the same saying, point. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. I do want to also make mention that they're in. I think the SmackDown series of video games for a period of time. The Rock's sharpshooter love to point this out. was a separate move because of how distinctly different he did it. It was like a standing sharpshooter. That's how poor it was. And I really hope that you, you I can, always you can't let it go with the Rock. I really hope I can uh, find footage, and if I haven't dumped it in already, maybe I can find it here of Brett talking about how crappy the Rock's uh, sharpshooter is. What do we do here, Quinn? Because this is unique, though. It's just, it's it looks like a finisher, does it not? It sounds like a finisher. It's got a name that sounds like a finisher. It finished people off. Smells like a finisher. Is it better than anything on the list? I think overall what's hampering it the most is the impact aspect. Everything on here has this like... Ugh, like Snap to like, it. This fucking hits you. This and like, punch to it, You are right? just done. Like the sharpshooter is like... And eh, well, you got you got to sit in it for a little bit. And I know there's it's like psychology and that's great. Yeah. But it's also like... It's almost like the anti-finisher in a weird way. Nah. It's like the start of the finish. <laughs> rather, well, than, rather than the exclamation point, it's like the comma and then like the... The comma! Ah! The comma! Yeah, like... Oh, shit. It's like the comma, comma and, then, Mustafa. and then a little bit of writing and then like an exclamation point when they tap out or whatever. Or give up. Yeah, give up. That's the yeah. other thing. When Brett used it, there wasn't even the visual of the guys tapping yeah, and out that's yet. kind of annoying if you think, because the tap out is what gave a lot of exclamation points to later. To the STFU yeah, and other moves. Future yeah, finishers. Yeah. Right, other submission. But then, I guess what we're saying is submission moves in general aren't as good finishers, which I've always said anyway. I agree. I think they're almost in a different class of like, like if you were doing a rankings... Like, yeah. there would be finishing moves and then submission best in class. moves. Best in submission moves. JD Power and Associates. And JD and Power and Associates give it the best in class uh, submission. submission. But so, I think it's number four, unfortunately. Yeah, but it, I think it has a higher profile than the Doomsday. I don't. No? Because, again, it's just anybody I know that's, yeah, that's, okay. that watch wrestling in the territories. I mean, the Doomsday device is, like, legendary. So is the Sharpshooter, though, Quinn. I know, I understand that, but I, I you just... You think it just loses out I in all the other categories? When you say finisher, I think a lot of people, again, are thinking of high impact. I guess. This has all the other makings, though, Quinn. It's a legitimate move that legitimately hurts that if they get it on oh, you, yeah. you can't get out of it. He's won no, t- titles t- with it. I think if you're having 10 top finishers, I think the sharpshooter's in the top 10. I just don't... Yeah. I just don't think it's anywhere near the top because, it, again, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a submission move. Yeah, and I truthfully have always thought the same thing, that right. as much as you can have a good submission move, I've always wanted someone to win by pinfall right. after a good impact. Yeah. Give me a flying elbow over an STF There's a reason day, why pin you know? is like the primary way yeah. matches end. Got a like, pin to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I agree. It's, submi- it's always pinfall and submission, not, right. like, not submission and pinfall. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I agree with you. So I'll reluctantly but dutifully put Sharpshooter at number four. I yeah. think you're right. I yeah. agree. Because I'm, I'm with you. I've never cared for submission finishers. And I, you know what? There's a lot of bad ones, like the cranium crush. So for Brett to have a submission finisher that makes it all the way to the top ten. Right. 
What I do think will be interesting, and I have no idea what's in the pool. You probably do. I don't. If there's other submission finishers in the pool, I think that they'll be judged against the the sharpshooter. And that means they're kind of plateaued. But at the same time, it it maybe maybe there's a way they can elevate above the sharpshooter. That's fair, Quinn. So we'll see how that works out. All right, Quinn. So let's run down the rankings here for week number two. At number one, it is still the pile driver uh, or the tombstone. Number two, the stunner. Three Doomsday and four Sharpshooter. Nothing changing in the rankings. Yeah. We just added two onto it, just, you know? They just entered, and in the exact order they, <laughs> yeah. they entered. Sorry for the letdown there, folks, but uh, let us know your rankings, and of course, next week we'll be back with two of the worst. But, Quinn, when we come back, we're going to have a Moo match. Yeah, Moo match. We're going to have some Dusty, because we are going to the Prime, baby! Love that show. It is coming up right after this. CW Nitro. Official PlayStation Magazine says it captures all of the insanity of cable's most watched program, featuring over 35 of your favorite WCW and NWO superstars, one and two player tag team action, and secret run in characters, all on Sony PlayStation. It's WCW Nitro. Call 1 800 WCW 8681 or send $49.95 plus shipping and handling to the address on your screen. Also available wherever video games are sold. And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's episode number 143. And Quinn, before we get to the Prime, the Prime, Daddy. (laughs) There are some Prime podcasts out there, if you will. The Promise. The Promise of the Podcast, Daddy. Let's start with the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, a WPAN. It's about wrestling, not nothing. Yes. About wrestling. Allegedly. Get a new name, guys. No, but in all seriousness, the Wrestling Podcast about nothing is hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the business. Uh, One of them is a former referee who is definitely. Not refereeing anymore because he's retired from refereeing. He doesn't do that, okay? <laughs> I don't know why he acts like he does. <laughs> he doesn't. His name is Mike Crockett. Yeah. But his partner, Quinn, not only is a wrestler, he is actually a wrestler in Ring of Honor. He is one half of the bouncers, the brawler, Brian Malonis. He likes wine. Yes. He's a whaler, so he's the Wine City Whaler. That's right. Now, these guys are great guys. We've met them in real life and they do a really fun show. It's different because, you know, we're fans of wrestling, right? The biggest. Now, so are they, and they're big. Trust They're pretty me. big fans as well. They're very large people. But not only are they fans of wrestling the way we are, they worked in the business. So they have insight that we couldn't possibly give you. So check out WPAN. It's a fun show, uh, and they are really nice guys. Now, also on Thursdays, Quinn, there's a critically acclaimed show. Yep, all the critics are jabbering about Raving it. about this show. It comes out on Thursdays. At this point, with the uh, <laughs> the way PD's been releasing stuff, comes out any day. It's uh, oh, <laughs> Greetings from yes. Allentown, hosted by one quirky fellow. Young Peter Winson. The young one. That's that's what they call him. Peter Young. The young boy. And Peter Young. And he hosts Greetings from Allentown, which is not from Allentown. It's from uh, Massachusetts, wherever he lives in the woods over there or something. Very Massachusetts. And he he hosts his show while talking about anything but the show. Like, he'll, he'll review the wrestling, but he'll talk like this and also mention other things like whiskey or something like that and the Bruins. Weddings. Weddings and baseball. But it's a really cool show. It is about retro wrestling at some point in the episode. I, I think the fun of it is finding the wrestling. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know it's there somewhere. It's you're, like, where's Waldo? You're along for the journey, really. You can use that one, Pete. I'm yeah. the where's Waldo of wrestling podcasts, <laughs> as they said on the Our Vantage Point show. 
Uh, but check it out for real here. Greetings from Mountain. It's oh, good. It is good. And also check out if you like a Roger Wrestle with a side of Boston Baked Beans. Boston Baked Beans. Boston Baked Beans. They have them down south. Oh, okay. It, it is booking the territory with Mike Mills and his crew. And now they do two shows south of the Mason-Dixon line. One of them is about Smoky Mountain. The other one's about the NWA-WCW era, the late 80s there they're into. Uh, now, they're the unprofessional wrestling podcast, Quinn. Yeah, they're very unprofessional. No professionalism. But, but they're big in WF. They're very big in Sheboygan. Because I've heard, because they get signs on the on, on those shows and stuff. Yeah, they got a Book in the Territory uh, sign out there. But in all seriousness, check out uh, Book in the Territory. Real fun. Very classy. A good time. A good all time. around. It is. So, our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing, Greetings from Allentown, and Book in the Territory. Now, Quinn... <laughs> I decided that I was going to give you carte blanche. Carte blanche. Is, is that is that the right word for it's it? It's the right word. Carte blanche. Carte blanche for uh, what we reviewed this week. Mm-hmm. I wanted nothing to do with the selection whatsoever. Well, I handled it for you. You did. I didn't want to be consulted. I didn't want to be notified. Yep. So Quinn um, went away and went to the vault. He scanned the shelves and scoured. I know you did with a candle. I went just looking in the middle of the night. Lordship was with me. His lordship was there, and Quinn was there with his nightcap and his yep. <laughs> and his candle, just scouring the shelves with all these videotapes. And the tape that you found, Quinn, great tape, right? A great tape. Now I picked it because of some uniqueness going Which on we'll with get this. To, yeah, but um, it is a. Uh, it's fantastic. It's WCW Primey. A real favorite of mine. It is, yeah. Uh, a, a Quinn favorite. I don't know about Joe. Does he like it as much as I do? Uh, I do like it. Now, a Quinn favorite, I would say a quintessential. Yes. Thank you. This um, show is good. This, this is like, good. I just mean Prime, Prime, like as a show. Now, yeah. if you're newer to the show, we've reviewed a handful of these before. What Prime was was on the Prime Network, yeah. which was a, ca- a regional cable network. And it was basically uh, wrestling content-wise it was the same type of stuff you would find on Pro or Worldwide. Right. It was just It was garbage. just matches. Yeah. In a good way. It was a feature match and yeah. then just other stuff that didn't really have that much implication, right? It was just yeah, matches. It's kind of its own self-contained thing. Right. The appeal of the show is that it was time for Dusty Rhodes yep. and Chris Cruz, generally, to just crack wise and not really care that much because they right. knew it didn't matter. So Maybe talk about things going on. Maybe not. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. It didn't really matter. And they were very entertaining, very funny. There's a different host in this one. We'll get to that in a second. But <laughs> Which is why I picked it. I know it is. Yeah. But it didn't bother me any. This is a great so this show. This surprised me. Yeah. yeah. So I picked this because. You um, wanted to irritate me. Thank well, you. Well, because I get irritated so many times by the, the. I was thinking. The stuff I picked, the yeah, action zone and yeah, all that, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was thinking, well, this is my chance, right? This is. Joe says, you get to pick it. I'm like, hmm. I get you wanted re- to find the reven- worst day. Revenge for the zone, you, huh? Quinn wanted me to start smoking again, apparently. Yeah. It's been a month, <laughs> but no. Uh, this was fine with me, and uh, thankfully, because I didn't I'm really. I'm glad feel like yelling today. WW Prime, September 30th, 1996. So late for the Prime, eh? Yeah, I just want to mention, this is very tail end. There might only be a handful of weeks left of it at this point. Which is a total shame, (laughs) because... Holy shit! I it's love such an entertaining this show. show so much. Why is this not all on the WWF Network? Because again, they use public domain music for like absolutely everything. Yeah, it's like, true. It's WCW. There is no reason this. None of this has to be edited. Like you could just throw this on the network. It's true. Like I would like every episode of the Prime. Place. Like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say superstars of wrestling anywhere. Yeah. You know <laughs> where he would need to edit anything out. Uh, but this is uh, late in the run. Here it was on for about a year. Prime was, and Quinn, it's that very Prime intro and. 
you know, the tech tunnel or whatever you want to call I, I it. I call it the prime technodrome. <laughs> you know, the usual. Yeah, that's pretty true. The they, tech. They go through and there's clips of, like, the butcher for some yeah. reason. Yeah. I like how they've kept the car red and yellow Hogan, like, it's, sparkly set. The butcher. Like, it's all stuff from, like, 1994. <laughs> the butcher. Yeah, it's... It's really, like, it goes to show you that the the production on this is just whatever we threw together when we got the contract, Yeah, and we're not changing it. But it's like Hogan at the contract signing in 94 yeah, is in the intro. It's, it's amazing. Uh, we're He's jo- NWO already, <laughs> yeah. by the way. We're joined by Dusty Rhodes in a baseball cap and cheese voice Mike Tanay. For the vacationing Chris Cruz, I'm Mike Tanay. Cheese is super sharp, and he's honored to replace Cruz, he says. I like being here! His voice is terrible. And it's an honor to join the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. He is cheesy. Ugh. So Dusty, it ain't easy being cheesy. Stop it, Quinn. <laughs> Dusty is very excited, though, that I am Mike Tanayeth here. I'm Mike Tanayeth, Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream. Dusty says that we don't need to worry about this whole NWO hostile takeover. We need to worry about Steam, <laughs> the independent contractor, if you will. What we better worry about is Steam coming back in the fold. Independent contractor. See, he knows. About Sting? Yeah, he knows Sting's good. <laughs> like, he's like, fuck all that NWO shit. Sting! Sting! See ya? Today looks like he's auditioning for Dracula. <laughs> he just looks terrible. He's like tonight. he hasn't seen the sun in three weeks or he's something. He's very today and just Ugh. leave him alone. Also, of course, Quinn, we're going to have our primetime Moo match of the Always, week. I love that they kept the Moo match even in like the NWO, <laughs> which is clearly like an inside joke from like the first episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Prime yeah, beef, yeah. you know, Moo. They uh, just, the fact that like the way Cheese says Moo match as if it's like a serious thing is amazing that Dusty was able to like... <laughs> Make the joke to get it over to get to that point. Don't like, forget, Dusty. We're gonna have our prime time moo match of the week. Right, but he says that like that's like nobody's laughing at. <laughs> right? That name. No, it's not like, funny. Yeah, like, it's, it's true. It's really weird. <laughs> Plus the moo match as well. Don't Whoa, forget yeah. that. Before uh, we continue to our first match, here, I just want to make mention that two weeks ago we did the last action zone, and while this isn't the last prime, it's close to the end. Kind of interesting. September '96 for both shows. Kind yeah. of the end of an era of the. Pre-NWO, pre-attitude. I call this, like, it's the alternate universe action zone. Like it's essentially it's it's less shitty. It's less shitty, it, and it's uh it's bizarre how good it is. Actually, yeah, in yeah. all seriousness, it's I, actually I really good. Can't promote enough the prime. It's so like, good, our listeners. No, it's good. Like if you can find any episode, it's never a bad day on the prime. And you know, uh-huh. maybe you fans don't, but Quinn, you know, maybe if you're newer, you don't know. Uh, that I'm not the biggest WSW fan. <laughs> but this really appeals to you, huh? Yeah, so when I'm sitting here like excited to review a WCW, I'm like, fuck it, it's good. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the ring for Conan versus John Tenta. Who- and, and John Tenta has Chris Jericho's second theme, you know, the like yeah. fake Nirvana yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. That was weird. Public domain, yeah, that's why. very public domain. Now, uh, today brags about how he's finally with Dusty for the first time in a two-man team as John Tenta's just wandering out looking like he dunked his head in gravy or something earlier. So when you go and you snatch that gravy up, his hair is sad and there's like way too much dinky on the back. <laughs> dinky is the back part that you normally get shaved off at the right. bottom of your hairline. Right, but a lot of dinky. A lot of dinky. Now, he has this whole like half-shaved hair thing. He just looks awful. He looks unmotivated. And yes, we are here at the 
pro worldwide set. You know, the one where the crowd is like strapped in or whatever it is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like it's, it's a the, ride. It's, it's definitely the prime uh, arena here. <laughs> so Conan flannels his way out, Quinn. According to Dusty, that's because he's from Da Hood, Daddy. <laughs> like he says this. And apparently he's in the Dungeon of Doom, which yeah. I forgot is still a thing. Yeah, very street Dungeon of Doom. Like, so I, <laughs> it's like totally like the, the, on the streets they talk about the Dungeon of Doom, not the NWO. <laughs> so Dusty was also talking about, you know, how Conan's from the hood. Now he's back to his roots. So apparently his roots are he grew up with Bob Velo with this flannel <laughs> out Borland. Anyway, Pee Wee Anderson is the ref here as Tanae Cheese is on and on about how Conan said that he was forced to be Americanized when he came here, but now he can be himself. Well, he says when he first came to World Championship Wrestling that he was forced to be Americanized. Now it's a chance for him to go back to his roots. Crappy dropkick by Conan into the big butt of John Tenta, <laughs> according to Dusty. Is that big old butt. <laughs> Today talks about how John Tenta is allegedly keeping that hair to remind him of the Dungeon of Yeah, what? Like, what? Just get rid of it. It's Just shave it, dude. Yeah, you look terrible. kids like, Dad, this hair sucks. I always think about I don't this. Because I, I always remember that though, those pictures we see John hanging out with his family. And it's I'm so always, sweet. And I'm just imagining him like coming Aww. home and like his kids are like, Dad, like, why? I have to do it! I have never heard Earthquake talk other than yelling, so I don't <laughs> so know how he think, talks. like he goes home and like literally his family's just like used to it. They're yeah. not even like, How are you? Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Billy? The Tremors! Yeah. <laughs> That's all I ever hear him say. Anyway, he clubs away looking like an angry tow truck driver here as we get a Beal toss and a step over by Tenta. Listen, I love Tenta, but he looks like crap here. Just like the, overall, the pants, yeah, unmotivated. Of the, instead of the usual diaper he has on, which for yeah. some reason looks worse on John Tenta. That tattoo that was already changed to a shark now, because like, <laughs> he's such a good man. Like, <laughs> yes. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I'll, I'll go to the tattoo parlor and fix my yeah my tattoo, my MSU or whatever LSU yeah. Tiger Shark thing. He doesn't care. You want me to be? You want me to shave half my head? Fine. You want me to wear a mask and carry Cartman? Fine. I don't care. He's what good. a good man. Just don't be Katow and fuck with him. Yeah, please. Asshole. I mean, he proved his worth. <laughs> I love that match. Yeah. Anyway, Dusty builds up the big Hogan Savage match coming up at Halloween Havoc and the uh, ramifications of it, Daddy. He does say that. <laughs> he, does. he does. And what an event that's going to be. So many ramifications coming out of this thing. Big leg drop by Tenta as the crowd is completely still on hard camera just watching bored. That's because they don't have Dusty on commentary. That's the like thing. if he was on commentary, I think the crowd would be popping for oh, absolutely everything. Hell yeah. Uh Quake dominates and lands the power slam, but heads to the second turnbuckles for a big fat splash that misses, of course. So Conan goes all the way up top with a somersault attack, which gets the win. Conan had his foot on the ropes. No one cares. <laughs> I want to note one thing at yeah. the beginning of this match. We noted that the stupid flannel or whatever. Yeah. Did you notice he at the beginning of the match he threw the flannel at Tenta's face and that's oh, and distracted how he, him with that's it. That's like yeah. how he got like one up on it's him. It's real. At the beginning. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's, it's very. That's like probably the highlight of the entire match. Yeah, is that he threw the flannel at him and that's how he attacked them. Yeah, it's funny. It's very good. Uh, today warns us, Quinn, that the Renegade is coming up soon as we go to break. The Renegade in 1996. Why? He was there until 98. Come on. <laughs> so we get a Pet Boys commercial. Yeah, there's commercials. Nothing good. Old people, an Asian couple, Girl Scouts, and then a lady from a hair salon all help push this dork's car. And then he finally just goes to Pet Boys instead of being an idiot. Yeah, and the you know, I don't appreciate this. Like this town. Like, yeah. they all have to gang up to help this guy's car. It's like, just go to dude, Pet just Boys, go to Pet asshole. Boys. Like, why are you making, like, 
the grandmas and the Girl Scouts do yeah. all this shit. And then the best part is once his car is fixed as he's driving away, everyone throws fruit at it, which yeah, is well, funny. Because fuck him. Fuck like, him. They, like, the whole town, they're just trying to do their own business, everyone in town. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Right, and they're like, why do we have to push this? Fucking asshole. Sucks. Next up, Crash Bandicoot thinks he's good and he's coming for Mario and Nintendo. Yeah, that worked out well. Well, it was PlayStation. I mean, I think didn't it worked out well for them. You don't think Crash so? Bandicoot did not supplant Mario? PlayStation <laughs> did, though, so maybe yeah. Crash Bandicoot had something to do with he that. He didn't. Hey, you having problems gaining weight? Drink uh, this yeah. bullshit thing from GNC with 2,200 calories a serving. Well, the thing is also, it's like... He's they, a skeleton. A skeleton. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you start from absolutely nothing any games. I, I love the 90s because it's stuff like this. 2,200 calories. I'm not a workout person, but I know that that's like almost everything you need in well, one day. In this particular case, Joe, he literally was a skeleton. He had no True. no fat at all. Yeah, he needed, he needed adds, all the all the calories he could get. It adds flesh. It adds marrow. It <laughs> yeah. adds everything. You know, it's now, true. If you have all those things, it, it might be kind of a bad thing to use. Right. But if you're a skeleton, drink this like chocolate thing from GNC and you're right, fine. Yeah, of course. And then also, another commercial, get a fucking Bowflex so you yeah. don't even have to go to a gym. Yeah, I'm not yeah. working out. I, there was a lot of that. Two in a row. The weight gain, then the Bowflex. Yeah, so you gain your weight and then you tone it up. Back to ring stuff for the prime. Entering the ring with even worse music than his Ultimate Warrior ripoff theme yep. is the Renegade. And this is when he was dressed like, um, I don't know, Jim Powers in 92. He's not the Warrior anymore. He looks like a foo. And you know what? Yeah. I have to say this about that. You know, you say that Jim Powers. Yes, thing. right. Do you remember? I, I was telling you about this where they're like newcomers. He's always something yeah. like in 1996, like Jim Powers was like on a beach playing volleyball with like Renegade yeah. and like all those stupid people that they got who were old. Joe Gomez and yeah, all these like, people. They were already old and they were acting like they were young. Yeah, like, no one I, cared. You know, it's funny this comes up because I was thinking the other day for a segment and this may, I don't know when this will happen because we have the fan segment. This, this We have next season, Quinn. It's okay. But I think we should do a segment just like for one episode on like all those guys that were pushed as young up-and-comers for, like, 10 years straight, like Tony Garea and all that. Like, like Jim <laughs> oh, Powers, that'd be funny, Paul actually. Roma. Just like, profile them all throughout the season. Sam Houston. Like, all <laughs> that, that never shit. amounted to anything. Right, you mean, Terry right? Taylor. Like, all yeah. those. Like, to me, they are, like, a subset of people. Ooh, I like, like that, yeah, kind like, of. Uh, but, Quinn, anyway, the Renegades opponent, thankfully, finally, is the Gambler! Fuck yes! Okay, folks, the Gambler is one of my favorite favorite jobbers like of all time he's great because he lives the fucking he plays gambler it straight game. man like he plays it straight got a members only got card, a members coat. Only card code <laughs> back in the day he used to have like a more showboat attire he did occasionally like, yeah he was on like a gambling showboat like maverick or one, yeah, one of those the maverick movies. yep yeah but i mean i love the gambler he great. plays it 100 percent straight and he is the bomb now your fans are probably not surprised to hear that dusty and Tanae are 100% only talking about Hulk Hogan right now. Well, I mean, it's Renegade and the Gambler. It is WCW, you mean. But no, not even WCW. I mean, this is literally like, like, look at what's in the ring. To be honest, I love love the Gambler, but I think the Renegade really makes them immediately (sighs) not care. Yeah, well, Gambler throws the cards at him to start, (laughs) but Renegade comes back with an arm drag. Gambler still has his coat on as he bails out to Big Booze. This guy, like you said, he's your favorite jobber. He's legitimately a great 
professional wrestler. I don't know like why, what they should be. You I don't know? know why they didn't give this guy more credit. And I remember seeing an interview once, and I this was a random interview where Chris Jericho was what? talking about how he like really appreciated the gambler. Or oh, something. when he started working when there, he started probably working there. He appreciated that he was like a journeyman. He's who, great. Like, who like fucking owned his gimmick. Yeah, like, and Chris Jericho was just saying how like he learned something from him because he was young when he. Because he was just such a, like, he just owned that shit. He yells at the crowd, though, so Renegade comes out and just kicks his ass to a really big pop. Hey, Gambler might le- have a legit chance now. <laughs> the, the Renegade is shitty, Joe. He is shitty by 96. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's possible. I didn't know who would win because you, you never know. Yeah, Renegade exactly. stunk after 90. Renegade always stunk, but... But they, they especially <laughs> didn't care. No. Like, after... Once Jimmy Hart turned on him, he's like, you stink, you're yeah. a Rick, or whatever. And he did stink. He did stink. Jimmy Hart was right. That's true. Uh, back in Renegade works an arm bar off of an arm drag as Dusty gets into some long-winded story about Dory Funk Sr. and Iron Mike DiBiase and how Tanae's also named Iron Mike or whatever. One of the, the, the prime wrestlers of, of that era back there was a guy named Iron Mike DiBiase. And, I, and, and the first time I had met you, I hadn't put that handle on anybody, I'm not Chris Berman, but Iron Mike, man, I mean, what a competitor. I seen him as a student. What was that story? <laughs> I anyway, don't yeah. know. He's just rambling. I'm, well, to be fair, it's like an arm bar. And this is even funnier. Renegade continues to work the arm, and Dusty literally says, <laughs> I don't know if you caught this. He's like, there's nothing special going on right now. I've seen him and Doris Senior, as we're watching this thing right here, not really anything uh, special going on right now. He is... That's like his excuse to keep his story going. <laughs> Listen. It's amazing. I, I like that Dusty, like, this is his show. And he's not going to, like, it, it's bullshit. Like, when there's crap wrestling, he's going to call it out. Absolutely. Like, get off the prom, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so now Cheese Breath over here is bragging about how he remembers Iron Mike DiBiase. I remember him. He's from Omaha. And he segues into how Ted DiBiase is the leader of the NWO. Now, remember I, that? I love Dusty's reaction to this because he's like, yeah, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, you knew I was from that. I was going to say Omaha, too. Yeah, sure I was. I certainly remember Iron Mike, I believe, out of Omaha, Nebraska. You're right. Yes, he was. Of course, the father of the man who right I now... I knew has- you'd know where Liam boy, bear me. I ain't even got a chance. <laughs> Dusty gets way too excited about the connection you know it. between Ted DiBiase and you Iron Mike. You know it, Daddy! Like, he's, like, all happy. Like, it's amazing. I love this team. I didn't think I would like yeah, it. Yeah, they're good. It's very good. They're good. Like, when Dusty gets way too excited about Tanae figuring something out, it's incredible. It's amazing. Because it happens more than once. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Reggie is still working the arm here, by the way, until Gambler finally escapes, bails out, back in Gambler, calls for time out in the corner, Poked to the eyes by the gambler, but Renegade snaps on a wrist lock, which Dusty calls resting. Renegade sucks ass, like seriously. <laughs> He's bad. Like, it's a bad I've wrestler. I've seen gambler wrestle good, so I'm like confused as to why this match sucks, and then I'm like, oh, Renegade. It, it's arm locks. Yeah. It's all it is. Arm bar, wrist lock. Into an arm bar now, speaking of, but gambler punches his way out and lands a running elbow for one. Come on, gambler! <laughs> I know, I really want gambler to win, too. <laughs> He's good! <laughs> I know! The crowd uh, rallies behind the Renegade as Dusty says that Randy Savage... All that needs to happen, look, Randy Savage simply just needs to beat Hogan and Halloween Havoc, and then it's all over with. No more NWO. That's it. Well, I mean, Savage is supposed to be the equal of Hulk Hogan. I mean, he never beat him ever, except by Countout, but in WF. That's something. Ten years ago. He beats all the same guys Hulk beats, so he's got to be close. He never beat the Warrior. Well, Hogan didn't either. Anyway, yeah, yeah, 
Gamble with a chin lock as Dusty compares him to Iron Anderson. Iron Anderson. <laughs> but then Mike Tanay's like, yeah, he looks like Iron Anderson. Just stop. Okay, so here's the thing. Dusty's comparing him, but he's not like overtly saying he looks like him because that's clearly why he's comparing yeah, he's like, him. He works a body part like him. Yeah, yeah. And then Tanay just like ruins it. Like he's yeah. just, yeah, that's very true, Dusty. They look <laughs> just like each other. It's like, shut up. Like, just stop. Mike Tanay is the dirt sheets of, of announcers. Oh, yeah. Like, well, he's the whale, actually, well, of, of I, commentators. I've always said not even just the dirt sheets. He's the tape trader in his yep. mom's basement. He is, like, seriously. Like, who who just happened to get the job at WCW. He really is. He's smart. He knows his wrestling. But he's right. he's the well actually, of announcers. Well, actually, yep. Tiger Mask was good. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, know, you know what I mean. Yep. Like, it's the same shit. Renegade powers up, but Gambler kicks him. Irish whip and a back elbow by the Gambler gets one. Chin lock by Gambler is I realize, Quinn, this match is long. Okay, but no offense. Seriously, why is the Renegade having trouble with the Gambler? <laughs> no. Big rights by the Gambler here, but Renegade strikes back. Corner whip and a running handspring back elbow. Who is he, China? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was weird. <laughs> Bulldog off the ropes gets the win for the Renegade. Ah, uh, man. Poor Gambler. I know. It was so close. Uh, Quinn, I noticed this. I know you did at some point also. <laughs> Today's voice is like so melty cheese <laughs> oh, in 90s. It's so... Ow, oh, there it is! A Bulldog by the Renegade! It's the easiest because it's the cheesiest. Stop doing it's that. It's very cheesy. Bambler backed up, sends him across, and now follows a wheel into the corner with the elbow. Standard decent TV match, honestly. That wasn't that bad. Yeah, as Renegade yells to the camera, he's back. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, I'm back! Like, what? It's like, no, you're not. You left? <laughs> now we get a quick promo with... <laughs> VK Wall Street, that's IRS, obviously, who he has a hot tip for us. Watch VK Wall Street here on the Prime. That's his hot tip. Just stop. <laughs> Promo Quinn for Brute Force, a time life video series about weapons what of war. Even, this is like such Turner yep. fare right here. Time life always going all out with their series, right? Gettysburg and the yeah. Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Why is it the Wendy's guy? <laughs> it's, it's all of it. Weapons Dave, of war. Dave Single comes <laughs> with wind. Comes you remember Hiroshima. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Women's professional volleyball. It doesn't say when it'll be on. It just says it'll be on your regional sports network. It doesn't even say which. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Back to the Prime now where Tanae throws us to a Savage and Hogan video package. 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 Yeah. The whole point of this is basically that Savage wants to win the world title and that Hulk Hogan is an asshole. Both things are true. Also, the music is 100% Marvelous Mark Marrow's theme. You gotta love public domain. Yeah. Like, and this is before Mar- the Marvelous character. Now, would you put it past Vince McMahon to take that music simply because he knew that they were using it? I wouldn't, but I also wouldn't put it past Vince McMahon to use it because he knew he wouldn't have to pay any royalties. True. <laughs> Cause, cause true. That's a, that's a Vince classic. Like, It's like, oh, I don't have to pay anything, and then like I can use this in future shit. I actually never knew it was possible. Public domain until today. Oh, really? We did this. Yeah, oh, I, I, I knew forgot. that. I knew that because WCW had used it also like, remember before it. as well. I, they, they I heard were, it. Okay, yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, in this package, we get clips of like Flair fucking around with Liz, which is supposed to show why Savage is upset, even though he hasn't been with Liz in like four years. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this is confusing too because like they show a clip of like Liz, like where she gets spray painted or whatever. But also, they're intermixing it with clips of the feud with Flair, yeah. where like Liz is like evil. Yes, and she's with Flair. Make any sense? And, like it's because 
basically from my memory is that like once the NWO started, all of a sudden Liz was like defending Savage. Yeah, I don't know what NWO. happened there. It was like, weird. Yeah, and then they were kind of together for the rest of the time until Savage came back as like what up Mach yeah, or exactly. whatever. What up Mach edition. Yeah. But I think you mentioned it too, Quinn, that like they can only show Savage's history with Hulk in WCW, which yeah. is not much. Which there is, isn't. <laughs> well, it, honestly, there's enough though a because little. they feuded like a zillion times. Not in WCW, they hadn't yet. There was enough. Right, I thought, like, or at least interaction. They were they were they were teammates. That's yeah, all. Angelo Poffo and all. Don't that bring shit. it up. Yeah. Promotional consideration is paid for by Karate Fighters, as usual. You, you know, nineties uh, electronic hotshot basketball, right? And, and Iron and Blood, which was some three D fighter. Quinn, yeah, it's a game that is notoriously bad. If you want to go see, this is a weird cheap plug, but check uh, Giant Bomb's ranking of fighters. They did this game recently. Okay, it's it's really bad. So Tony Schiavone is now here at the Halloween Havoc Control Center. Now, this is Tony Schiavone, not Gene, because there was a brief period of time, maybe two or three months in 96, where Gene left WCW and came right back after a couple of months. Was he fired? I think he left because his contract was up. Oh, or so I can't remember, but there was a brief period where he left, and uh, I this is it, I think, or <laughs> it else Gene would be here. super brief. Yeah, it was like a month or two or three. I can't remember. this time period, I remember more of like... Bobby and Gene searching for like clues or something in that commercial. <laughs> Don't like, bring that up. <laughs> I just mean that like this is around that time. It is. Uh, so Mero's theme cranks up again. So I guess that's the official theme for this pay per view, Quinn. It seems yeah, to be. It seems because they, they use it one more time after this. And I guess I guess the theme of Halloween Havoc '96. Mark Mero's theme. Yep. Uh, of course, our main event's going to be Hogan versus Savage. But also, we're going to have the Battle Bowl rings on the line as DDP. I guess defends that ring that he had won against Eddie Guerrero. Now I always like that whole battle bowl thing with ddp only because it's what brought ddp out of the shadows after he went poor when the hell was battle bowl in 96 though like three like, months before I this think it was early in the year i want to say yeah i can't remember i just i just remember that it was the big coming out party for like after ddp was like in the poor house yeah the like poor he, house. Won, he had the silent benefactor and then he Which won, was supposed to be dibiase right but he won the battle bowl ring from the money or something like that's how they like yeah was fights like or that. something <laughs> and entry back into i don't know it was weird <laughs> we're also going to have Iron Anderson against Lex Luger. Don't remember that at all. Uh, you should also enter, Quinn, the Slim Jim Snap to Win sweepstakes so you could maybe possibly win a monster truck. <laughs> now, excuse me? Monster truck? That, how is someone supposed to... What am I going to do with that? Yeah, I, I can't even fit that in my I driveway. I live in an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Where am I going to put my monster truck? Exactly. I'm not going to be driving down the street at 7-Eleven. Anyway, Halloween Havoc is Sunday, October 27th at 8 p.m. from the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Next up, a commercial for Crash Bandicoot. He's in a diner, and he's very, very touchy about being stared at. Well, you know, it's, he is a it's tough being a bandicoot. It is. Yep. Uh, now we have a Salsa Blue commercial where a baseball manager accidentally tells his guy to steal because dandruff. I remember this commercial a lot. Yep, Like This was on a lot of things, this, this commercial. One. A very dumb 1-800-collect commercial about a really fast football player. Mm-hmm. And now we take a tour of a 90s house through the vantage point of a touch-and-foam can. This was the weirdest commercial on the whole Quinn. thing. It was horrible. like a floating can, can and a floating can that and sprays foam yeah that's like filling in like gaps or something yeah to like to insulation and to get bugs yeah. out and shit and it was just doing it by itself and i i it was really weird it's clearly green screened maybe blue screened because it's a long time yeah now. i'm not sure it might have been yeah. blue even still uh psychic solutions commercial now with people giving their testimonials about how great all these psychics are here in the 90s why was this a thing in know. the 90s i don't get it like the the, the psychic like rampage of the know. 90s it, they just like were all over the place miss cleo and all this hello child if they were so smart why didn't they just win the lottery
lottery, these psychics, if they were so good. Yeah, that's what I would do. I think I used to say that as a kid. I was good. like, you were smart. Not, no, well, I'd say like, well, I know what I would do if I, because I didn't know if they were real or not. Yeah, so of I'd course. just be like, well, why wouldn't someone just go win the lottery or right. something? Yeah. Huh. Uh, back to the prime where today's first words are, well, the new world order. <laughs> well, the new world order. Well, I, those are your God. favorite first word, words to come back yeah, that's to. That's one it. of my least favorite things about WCW between the years of 96 and 99. Now, it's just in this, New World Order! Now, in this particular case, I must excuse Cheese for this only because, Joe, the New World Order is, like, very new. Yeah, I know. Still, this is like, it's like September and they're from, like, what, June or something? So, yeah, July. It's, like, extremely okay. new, so this whole thing is, like, fine with fine. me. VK Wall Street... VK Wall Street enters the ring. This is pre-NWO for him. Sorry, but he's total shit in WCW. When they brought him back, oh Oh my god. Why is he still there? He's like a waste of space. His tights suck. I hate it. (laughs) Now, you know he's been there for a year at this point. Yeah. As VK, and no one cares. Like, literally no one cares. He came, his first match, if I recall, was the first Nitro It's a year ago. Yeah, it's insane. And he's still doing this. Yeah. Like, nobody cares. Nobody, that, well, the thing is, these prime matches, I, there's a very distinct possibility they were all filmed, like, by the first, like, Not around Conan, that. he was heel on the... Oh, tent. that's true. Yeah. But I've always suspected that some of these were, like, from a WCW doesn't have the wherewithal to pull that off, Quinn, <laughs> all right? Uh, so, Dusty's wondering, though, maybe the NWO wants him, because they're not really mean to uh, VK Wall Street there. Uh, his opponent's Johnny Boone, who literally looks like the guy from that Pet Boys commercial before. <laughs> Referee is Nick Patrick, which is very close to his formal heel turn here. They're talking about it, They're too. planning it up, because yeah. it's already... Hogwild, he already was nefarious. Remember, he, like, took out Luger's Here's leg. the thing, though, is he doesn't have, like, the goatee or anything. He gets it. Yeah, but Don't what I'm worry. saying is, is I'm wondering, did he have the goatee by this point on, like, live nitros, but he didn't have yeah, it? Like, is this one know. of those pre-tape problems again? Possibly. I don't know. I'd have they're, to look. They're, and they're just suspecting him, and he's not even, like, acting He's evil. acting completely normal here. Right, that's yeah. why I really thought, like, because Nick Patrick, when he started doing it, he really, like, sold it. I know. So it's, like, weird that, like, they're just acting like this is a thing. I know. IRS is in this short tights thing. I know you said you right. hated them. They, they, these tights are hideous. It's like a singlet, but like, they're short tights. Why? was any of this a thing that <laughs> happened like nobody cares yeah, he's so like bad. not even the sweeten crowd cares no, like no, it's no. bad <laughs> not even the sweeten crowd yeah they didn't even have the wherewithal to like they were just like you know what nobody no, don't even turn we're it not on even, we're not even going to try to convince people that this is a thing <laughs> boom with a crossbody for a zero count wall street tosses him outside tosses him back in as the crowd chants wall street the same way they used to chant Irwin. butterfly how is that an insult i don't know by the way that, wall that, it's, street it, just a, that's a good thing very creative yeah Butterfly Suplex by Street. Next is a uh, rope-assisted abdominal stretch. Nice to see he was still pulling out the classics, the IRS classics there. Uh, Nick Patrick notices the rope usage and stops it, but Dusty's like, he's only calling it fair because it doesn't affect him at all. He has no yeah. sticks in this, Daddy. This is what I mean. I love that Dusty was just, like, inventing things. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we get a chin lock by Wall Street, but he gets up to yell at the crowd, gets rolled up for two. Follow a slam, which is called the... Stock market crash gets the win. <laughs> so much ill. Oh, like, stock market just, crash. Yeah. Ugh. Stark market. Stark uh, market. Yes. Dusty's like, it's time to go to the pay window on the prime. As we cut- Anytime Dusty says pay window, I, I get very happy. Pay window. Yeah. Now we cut to Dusty uh, in front of the green screen, you know, talking about nothing and saying we'll be back. <laughs> hey, do you like woodworking? <laughs> you can buy uh, cabinet making here for nine ninety nine, and you'll get 101 shop tips for free. <laughs> Next. What the fuck? Sears would like you to get a new fucking roof, you shithead. And it's only $96 a month, okay? So just get it. Get a new roof. I like that they don't 
say how long you would have to pay $96 yeah, a month? Yeah, they're just like, no, it's $96 a month. And also, I want to note, and maybe you'll throw this in here, I loved the music during this commercial. It's very good. It's it's excellent. It's very good Sears music, commercial. yes. It's really, really good. Sears Authorized Installed Roofing Professional says, buy it now before the busy season starts and choose your favorite roofing style. NWO promo, you know, in their classic style. Basically, they show them spray painting various people and all that. The NWO did feel fresh in 96. I must admit I'm, that much. Like, I'll this, agree. This shit rules. This is early like, on. This crap was always a great highlight for me. Yeah. Like, on these shit shows. Ahead like, of their time. Because, like, the one thing that they did very good at the beginning of the NWO is they would only appear on Nitro. So if you got yeah. even a taste of them, like on the Prime or like main Saturday event, night or, or anything, Saturday yeah. night, it was like a big fucking deal. Yeah, like, and it was just so it, cool. Yeah, it was so it was so interesting and different. That. Yeah, this is way yeah. before it was played out. This is very early on, and yeah. the ads. I love the idea of the ads being in black and white. Well, that, but that they paid to have them on there because otherwise, why would it WCW made, allow them? It made sense in kayfabe, and then using DiBiase, and it just he has the this money. Is, this is That's why, why I it's always good. say if they're going to ever do like another invasion with a faction of any kind, right? They should they should take some cues from the early NWO stuff where they they were like, well, this is how they have money, Ted DiBiase. This yeah, is why sense. they can like do things right. because they buy ads, like, right? It, they they make negotiations with the con like with WCW and stuff like they have to like there needs to be a way to explain how these guys can invade correct and that's what I always liked about it they're in cahoots with the owner right like, you know it all made sense and I like right. that a lot yeah. also in this package Quinn we see clips of the very <laughs> rare non crow fake sting I love you know, the short lived fake sting is fake hilarious sting is amazing. Like, it, Jeff Farmer yeah it's, it's an amazing thing that lasted entirely too long so long man yeah, but I always loved it I always always loved how he lasted long enough that he was in one of the video games. Fake Sting uh, like, is in the game. Aside, yes. it's real. The real Sting, and the only difference is like his hair was shorter, or which something. is true. Yeah. He was like fluffier or something yeah. too. Uh, Razor also in this package calls someone Chico. Uh, another commercial for that twenty two hundred calorie thing, and then Randy Savage Quinn would really like you to try to win a monster truck. He says, uh, "Look for the scary dude on displays in convenience stores." <laughs> the scary yeah. dude. I miss him. Now this is where they blow it, Joe, with the monster truck. Yeah, go ahead. Because. Before they're like, yeah, win a monster truck, and you're like, wow, that's crazy. Like, how would I ever put that in my house or like, mm-hmm. you know, in my driveway or whatever? Yeah. And then they show the truck, and it's just like a re- regular pickup truck, and Randy yep. Savage is like, Ooh, yeah, monster truck, it's and he's like truck. standing next to it, and it's like just a fucking pickup. It's like a Ford or something. Yeah, it's not a monster truck <laughs> yeah. at all. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then we have that classic red and yellow M M&M and M commercial where they arrive at some party and they're put into a candy bowl. The, the typical. Yeah. Like, the- I, I, these ads were so played out because they did like eight thousand of them. I know. I think there was ones like in the late later like two thousand eights and they nines. were still like, doing they were them. Still doing it. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. Next up, Fred Lewis is very emphatic that you will get paid cash for your old wristwatches. And there's a rumor that Gorilla Monsoon just called him to verify. You know, make sure people that are giving you <laughs> wristwatches are not giving you wrist locks. Thank is, you. What is this Like, shit? this old dude sits on a leather couch, and he's bringing Very up- puffy leather couch, Oh, dude. God, yeah. awful. And he's bringing up all these watch brands that I've never heard of, and he says cash, like, 26 times. He, it's horrible. He acts sort of pretentious about oh, it. Oh, he's a dickhead. He's almost like the Wall Street Journal fake Joe D'Amato, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Joe Sorolla. I keep calling him Joe D'Amato. No, this guy throws garbage out of his car. Yeah. You know he's that type of person. <laughs> he calls wagers his sweetheart. He wears a Rolex always. Yeah. Gold. An asshole. Yeah. Uh, Halloween have a control center again. New match has been adequate. It's the U.S. champion Ric Flair defending against the giant. 
Uh, I always liked this uh, sub era of Flair where okay. he was U.S. champion. Yeah, I don't know why it always it. appealed to me because it, it's it good. You just won the U.S. title. To, yeah, it felt natural to give Flair the U.S. title. Why not? While, like while like Hogan was like monopolizing the stupid world title. Yeah. You know, he didn't need it, but whatever. No, he needed it for that angle. Hogan well, needed the world title to give stakes yeah, you're, to the okay, NWO. True. He did. Uh, anyway, I'm defending Hogan. Don't get I me started, okay? That, but okay. Faces of Fear are going to also be taking on Mongo and Chris Voldemort, and mm-hmm. the new tag team champions, Quinn Public Enemy, are going to defend against Hall and Nash. I don't remember that at all, because if I recall my brain, yep. well, didn't Hall and Nash beat Harlem Heat yes. for the tag titles? What Did they? Did somehow Public Enemy lose the belts before this pay-per-view or something? The next night. <laughs> or like two nights or something, like right after this. Yeah, like yeah. I was so confused. They're like, he public enemy versus Hall and Nash. And I'm Ugh. like, what? Why would that happen? That would suck. Good for the thing. tag belts? Good for the tag titles? Yeah. Uh, I was like, what? Yeah, thankfully it was Harlem Heat. Uh, more promotional consideration here. And then back to Dusty, who says, behind every great man <laughs> are the ladies. Okay, great this, ladies. This is the most confusing segment of the entire thing. Well, well, because he goes in and he's like, there used to be 50, 60 ladies that used to vie for the spot of taking the American Dream down to the Miami Convention Center, and he very sarcastically says that there's nothing hanky-panky about it. What? what? There were ladies in cars, maybe 50, 60 strong, vying for the spot to take the American Dream to the Miami Beach Convention Center each and every night. Nothing hanky-panky about this with the ladies. Of the night of wrestling. I assure you, nothing. It just cuts away. That's it. Now, this is the segment that at the beginning, Dusty said, we're going to have a segment, Dada, about the ladies behind the wrestlers. And, like, I'm like, okay, like, I'm I'm expecting some video package about Elizabeth and woman and Deborah or Mm -hmm. or something, right? Maybe Sherry. It's just Dusty saying that. It's just Dusty speaking kindly, Dada, about about the women of WWE. But they don't show anything, nothing. It's just Dusty by himself in front of a green screen. We actually just hard cut right to a commercial about inventing things. And it's never mentioned again. Like, why did this... This is for Prime. This is weird. Because usually there is some semblance of making sense on the Prime. It's true. So it's the Invention Submission Corporation, which I get it. You probably just pay these people to file a fucking patent. You make zero dollars and they make all of your money. Sounds great. But again, what about those girls? I don't know. We never know again. I was asking that the whole time this ad was playing. It was really long. We're never going to know. Back to cheese and dust here in front of the green screen to introduce our main event. It's the Faces of Fear, that'd be Megan Barbarian versus uh, Arn Anderson and Chris Voldemort. Wow. Chris Benoit. Dusty with a very good point about how WCW has too much fighting within itself, various factions, but at least this will be a good match. That's what he says. Yeah, he keeps saying that the competition, Daddy. Competition. Like it helps or something. And then he gives us a very good moo. <laughs> Uh, so Mike today's first sentence again includes New World Order <laughs> as the Ming and Barbarian here are led down by Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, very outdated by this yeah. point. Like, he should not be here anymore. He looks like he should be managing the natural disasters with the coat. He looks like he should just go ma- back to managing the Renegade because <laughs> that, yeah, that's as relevant as he is. Yeah, we don't need him here. Yeah. Uh, I love this team though, Quinn. Great team. Oh, excellent team. Horseman's crummy music fires what? up. It stinks. Wait, you didn't like the Horseman? No, Oh, no, it's crappy. Wow. I, I like I, WCW. Don't hard disagree on this. Don't try to get me negative about WCW. I, Just let wanna, me say my I, piece. I want to pull on the boards whenever this comes out. Uh, did you like the Horseman music or did you not? Yes Fine. or no? Whatever. Anywho, cut to commercial for Super Mario 64, which I believe literally just came out in September, didn't yeah, it? It's, it's very new. It's like uh, extremely and 64 new. 64 is like launching. 
Yeah, in September, I did, think, right? If I recall, did N64, was it one of those last systems where it had, like, a soft launch where, like, like not, like, it had a proper launch date, but what I mean by that is, like, it was, like, in KB Toys or some shit in August. Like, you a know? little early? Yeah, maybe, yeah, I don't like, remember. like, only in a couple of test markets kind of thing. It was back then when they still acted like it was a toy. Yeah, I don't you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Uh, next up, some snowboarder tells Randy Savage that wrestling isn't an extreme sport. So Savage kicks his ass. <laughs> that's all it was, too. That's, it's like, that's the end of the ad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then some very nice gentleman was very skeptical about AOL, but his friend convinced him, and now he loves it, you know, because yeah. you can send email, right. get help with your golf swing, mm-hmm. get stock quotes. Every 15 minutes. That's right. <laughs> they throw that specific point in every 15 minutes. <laughs> and use the World Wide Web, Quinn. Wow. The music under this thing is very caring. Very nice. Very nice. I've gotten help with my golf swing, planned my next vacation. I even get stock price updates every 15 minutes. Very, very nice. So give us, give them a call, get your free startup kit and 50 free hours. Remember it's, all that? It's weird thinking to sign up for the internet by calling someone on the phone. <laughs> yeah. like, Hi, I'd like the internet. <laughs> yeah, like imagine that. Hi, yes. My name is Bill. Uh, uh, can I have the internet, please? Do, do you have internet? <laughs> can I order the internet? <laughs> How much does internet cost? Yeah, right? like, <laughs> Oh, shit. Back to ringside, where surprisingly this time, today does not mention the NWO immediately. He does say the Harlem Heat, though. Well, they are the Harlem Heat. (laughs) And Dusty gets all upset about the nasty boys for some reason. He, like, thinks they're joining the NWO. And the NWO would never, their standards do not include knobs and sags, like (laughs) the goofiest of fools. Imagine just... Imagine the disgustingness of there being nasty boy shirts that were NWO styled. Like how un- goofy and dumb that would be. Like oh said, God! The, the NWO instead of uh, the nasty boys in their spray paint and the yeah, speckles on it. Those two are too like eighties bebop and rock steady to be in say, the NWO. I, you know, I would even say they're more like early nineties like Saved by the skull, Bell, Bulk yeah, and just skull, yeah, pushing kids into lockers. That's a ty- that, that that this isn't the time for that anymore. They, they do not belong. Like I can see where somebody would want to angle them to be in the NWO because the NWO is badass and the nasty boys are bad ass yeah, according to like bad breath Vulcan skull yeah, yeah exactly like, anyway this is a good match so let's get into it here barbarian and arn start lock up side head look by arn whip off by barbie in the shoulder block arn bails to the corner lock up and arn pounds away in the corner but whip is reversed and barbarian lands a power slam and then attacks the interfering benoit with a clothesline and then he clotheslines arn to the floor fucking great barbarian very back and forth this match great stuff yeah, yeah it is this match will like whiz by because there's not much to critique it's no just it's just good, good. It's, yeah. just, it's straight up good yeah dusty just Describes everything in detail again in case anyone is listening to this oh my God, on this, the radio. This was maybe one of my favorite Dusty lines ever. He's like, I am describing the moves in case you are listening to this on the radio, daddy. You can't like, see what happened. Holy shit. That's like, so good. First of all, just the idea of the prime being on the radio yeah, right. is, is insane. And Richard, anybody, tape collectors, if that is a possibly a thing that Dusty, maybe Dusty Rose isn't imagining, right. oh my God, I hope it's real. It's not. Yeah. He's just joking. It's not on the radio. What I are you talking it about? It's love, not. Love, He's love, just joking. We need to edit Prime. I'll just make a f- audio file for that you. Sounds okay, and I'll send it yeah, to you. Okay. Yeah, I'll just put bad frequencies on it. Meng and Voldemort are in now. Kickfest is won by Meng. Corner whip, but he misses a charge. Benoit chops away. Meng fires back with a throat thrust. Irish whip drop kick by Meng gets two off the ropes, and Meng misses a diving headbutt. Uh, Chris here with a release German and right hands tagged to Iron, and they double team in the corner as Barbarian complains. Good stuff. Very good. Meng uh, fights back with right hands. Voldemort back in, and so is Barbarian. Double headbutt by the faces of fear. Irish whip duck under. But Barbarian with a tilt-a-whirl 
slides off of him, shoves Barbarian into the Horseman corner, and they double-team. Arnon now, he works the leg. Ben now comes in and sits on the leg, which is called a cannonball by Tanae, which, which is very funny. This this whole thing, like, cracks up. The a track. cannonball? What are you talking about, like, today? Yeah, like, she's like, well, it's a cannonball. What? What are you talking about? Yeah, like, and then cheese starts, like, almost chuckling. It's very funny. Yeah, it's very good. Beautiful vertical suit play by a barbarian. Tagged to Meng, who hammers away on Arn. He tags in Voldemort, though, and a slugfest ensues. Meng wins and tags in Barbarian, who lands a fucking awesome front slam. But the pin is broken up by Arn. This is really, really, that, really this good. This match is really fun. Yep. I like it. It's excellent. Armringer by Barbarian into a back thrust kick. Snapmare into a chin lock by a Barbarian. Hammers out, lands a Northern Lights. Quick tag to Ming, and Meng stomps away. Awesome pile driver. But Arm breaks up the pin, so we get a tag to Barbarian, big body slam, and he and Meng head up in separate corners. They each land headbutts, but Arm breaks up the pin again, so Meng comes over, and Arm backdrops him out. Meanwhile, gets a released German suplex. Great Heads- move in the middle. Like, that, 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 I love that. Yeah. Gets all the way up for the headbutt. Meng trips him, though, and he gets crotched on the post. Fucking awesome. Like, I love that, like, nobody can get anything done. Right, right? exactly. It's like... It's like- like he's trying to like finish him, but yep. that, that Ming stops yeah. him. Yeah, you know, and back and forth and back <sighs> and forth. So Barbarian finally heads all the way up top and nails an overhead superplex from the fucking top, like on the the prom, baby. Like this show rules. It's so good. Is out, but Arn sneaks in with a DDT on Barbarian while Ming is Excellent. with the ref. Yep, I love this part. Arn drapes on the Barbarian and then stops Ming from interfering, and the Horsemen win. Good stuff. Very moo. Very prime. Excellent. How is this show so good? It's Excellent got match. a little bit of everything. I love it. That match legit probably was like three and a half stars and or for something. like a TV match yeah. on like some local network right. or whatever. Like this is like unbelievable. It's excellent. A few commercials here. Army, be all you can be. Napa Auto has a tailgate sale. What? Where you get oil and taillights <laughs> cheaper. Cool. Hey, do you like baseball? There's a videotape about how to play it. If you're a kid, it's $30. That's a lot of money for that. <laughs> I know. Back to Prime, where today says that uh, Savage Hogan is a dead-even picket match, according to the odds makers in Vegas. Nobody's making odds for WCW no. fake wrestling. And even if they were, they're very unfamiliar with Hulk Hogan's track record because right. he ain't he ain't losing. Let's just put it that exactly. way. Uh, Dusty puts over the importance of the match, though, and says it's the biggest match of the last five years, which is at least not too extreme. No, you know, it's believable. Yeah, like, <laughs> Not, it's not the biggest match ever, you know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. With that, they sign off, and honestly, Quinn, believe it or not, this is maybe the best episode of Prime I've seen. Yeah, it's fascinating to me that you think it's the best. I mean, it's got a lot less Cruz and all that, which is the only thing. If, if, if only Chris Cruz was here. Although Cheese was a decent substitute because of just the, the interaction between him and Dusty is actually yeah, great. but Cruz is funnier. Cruz yeah, is no, better. it's true. Uh, overall, great yeah. review. I was very happy with Man. it, so... Nice little snapshot. The prime always delivers, baby. It literally always does. I love it. And I always like, you know what? The one last thing about the prime. Yeah. Um, I always like the little like happy jingle music that plays as the prime goes away, and it always makes me feel like I watch something really fun, really worthwhile. Yeah, it's just like. (laughs) Man, just, <laughs> you hit me in the in the nostalgia heartstrings there. That's right. Like, I probably saw the Prime once ever because it was 
on some weird channel. I never saw it. I, we didn't get Prime. No, it was probably at like my dad's when like near Philly or something. I swear it came Maybe, I don't know. some channel. But anyway. I never saw it. Yeah. I didn't even know it existed until we did this show. You oh, know, I really? never even heard of it until oh, okay. we started doing OVP. But we hope we uh, tugged at your nostalgia heartstrings, folks, as we've romped you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. Thanks so much for being with us. Next week, it'll be uh, Labor Day. Hopefully, you're going to have a nice three-day weekend, have a little time off there. And we'll be back, though, with your day off, possibly, to go over the world of retro wrestling yet again. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group if you have a Facebook. It'll be a fun time. And support the show, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next time, I'm Joe Murata. That is Daddy Longlegs, Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. You will receive cash. Yes, cash for Rolex. Cash for Patek Philippe. Cash for Cartier. Heritage Estate buyers will pay you cash for these men's wristwatches or the others I will list. Heritage is on a national search for watches. We will help you with cash if you own a Vacheron, Universal Geneve, Breitling, also Audemars, Movado, and Lacultra. Your watch can be worth thousands of dollars if it's a chronograph, moon phase, or repeater. This is an opportunity for you to receive cash for a watch that's gathering dust in a drawer. Heritage Estate buyers will pay you cash for the... Stop!